What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 glory from the top of the podium. Today, I'm your host, Phil, and joining me, two of my fellow compatriots at Adepticon, we've got Brian and Skylar. How you doing, guys? What's up? What's up? Doing pretty good. You? Hey, uh, feeling pretty jazzed coming back from Adepticon. It was a very uh, fun time. Got to play a whole bunch of Underworlds. Um, excited to talk about it. That is going to be our topic for today. We're going to, um, as promised, we're going to give a quick recap of how our tournament went, how we played, um, as we said we would when we did our sort of path to Adepticon. Um for a little bit of context, we are recording. Today is March 28th. Um, Adepticon's just wrapped a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, we we don't have a ton of other news since Adepticon, obviously, because they dropped a whole bunch of news on us. Uh, for those who haven't actually seen what I'm talking about, we, we know our next box set, the second or the, well... <laughs> New season, second half of the season, however we want to call it, is coming for Gnarlwood. It's going to be called Weird Hollow. So something to keep watch out there. Um, but we will save some of that for another time or potentially later today if we uh, get the time for it. Um, but before we start breaking down Adepticon and everything that we talked about uh, at the tournament, how about some community shout outs? Skylar, Brian, either of you have anything from the community you want to shout out? Well, uh, shout out to also Adepticon attendees, uh, the Dice Heroes. Uh, they're a gamer group based out of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, basically, they do gaming for good. Uh, they organize and participate in gaming events benefiting children's hospitals and the Children's Miracle Network. Uh, so they put on events and a lot of their proceeds go to uh, just donated straight to children's hospitals uh, through a program called Extra Life. They also, uh, some of their events that they put on, they have like fun little rules where you can, by donating, you can get re-rolls uh, in your events as well as you can just buy challenge coins like Skylar and I bought. Uh, and fun events and goes to a good cause. So uh, if you see a con near you and an event ran by the dice heroes you know it's going to a good cause yeah definitely um and it's it's worth shouting out they they ran um an, an underworlds event at adepticon it was our uh wednesday night tournament so so it, it was a little interesting um they uh they started us off 7 p.m is about the same time as the gw preview so there was a, a little bit of um competition for attendance there but uh, we had a pretty good turnout it was about 20 people and we played until 1 30 in the morning <laughs> which was something uh and our very own davy managed to come out on top in that tournament um it was pretty fun um just played a quick <laughs> i say quick but three rounds um it was really well done it was it was a nice event um and like like you said all the proceeds of registration went to charity, which is super awesome that they were able to do that. Yeah, I was really torn between uh, going to participate in that and going to the preview. Josh and I ultimately went to the preview, wanted to get in on the hype, and uh, yeah. then immediately raced over to see you guys. And you were after round one going into, was it round one or round yep. two that we found you in? Uh, 
you probably saw us in round two. I believe so, yeah. But not very far in, I don't think. Um, they were doing two-hour rounds, so we had we had quite a while for each round. Being a participant uh, during some of the games, so we were right next to the preview. We could just <laughs> yeah. hear the roaring energy coming from there, and we're lo- like, my opponent and I were looking at each other, and it was like, "Man, what are we missing out?" <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to know what you're missing out on, go check it out on Warhammer Community. But yeah, yeah, it was every so often you just get this thunderous roar coming from the through the wall. Uh, they had they. You know, this big ballroom at the convention center, and they split the room with a one of those big dividing walls. And um, so every so often, we just get this big roar. It's like, okay, <laughs> everybody's excited. Must be something cool. Um, so uh, another community shout out that I wanted to mention and related to the new announcements. Um, so Flavius uh, of Monkeys Hex Pod. Uh, Pod, uh, not a podcast blog <laughs> blog the yes words um did another board analysis article and this one was specifically for the two boards that we could see in the preview article for weird hollow which uh i don't know if folks out there who are listening have actually looked too closely at the images on those articles from the Warhammer community, they are very low resolution. So I don't quite know how he was able to pick out all the starting hexes and everything, but kudos to him for being able to manage that and give some cool analysis of uh, who might like those boards and what they might be good for. Um, They both looked like pretty flexible boards, which is cool. And we had the first printed snare hex, which is something to look forward to. And I recently saw some chatter online about how his articles are written in a plural and yeah. people, people wanted to know, like, who's who's your co-collaborator? And uh, the answer is, it's it's the monkey. The- yeah, who, who else would it be? <laughs> it's Flavio uh, and the monkey. And the monkey. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, he's done a whole series of these board analysis things. And for anybody who doesn't, like pay really close attention to board setup and uh, token placement. That is one very good way to level up your game. So if you're looking for that next step to take, uh, you can go check out his article. Uh, I think Wathlab has had some that are relatively dated at this point, but still are out there on the internet. So um, yeah, shout out to any of this board analysis stuff. It's very cool. You can definitely have some, uh, I say some, uh, a lot of time thinking about how you need to like deploy and set up uh, hexes. Yeah, to echo what Phil said, if you want to up your game, uh, your board game, Flavio's articles are a must read. He is a board expert. Yes, indeed. But I think that'll do it for community shout outs. Uh, unless you guys have anything else, any secret shout outs up your sleeves that you wanted to mention yeah i'd like to um sneak in with a shout out to the battle mallet uh blog the guys over there recently threw together a uh buyer's guide uh in the spirit of having something that can be shared around uh to help people get started uh you know when they're staring down all the history of the game 
you know, what's relevant to them right now? What should they start purchasing? And what is the that initial commitment kind of look like? Uh, so I recommend uh, not only that article, um, but uh, we've highlighted this before. They also have a Nemesis deck library that they host on their blog. And they put a ton of work into that and have also offered to feature our decks from Adepticon. So you can find those there as well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, it's it's definitely nice to have a concise online resource for finding pre-constructed decks if you are new to deck building, even in the Nemesis format where there's not as many cards that you need to worry about. Um, so having having a full library for every single warband, super handy. Uh, go check those guys out. They also have plenty of content for Nemesis as a format. So if you're interested in learning more about the Nemesis format, they are a good resource. So go check that stuff out too as well. I don't think we need to cover our hobby section here, as I don't imagine you boys have had a whole lot of time to do hobbying since we got back from Adepticon. So let's jump right in to our main topic. Uh, we're going to do a quick Adepticon recap. Um, so before we get in too much, I just want to make clear sort of what what the tournament ended up being. So um, the, the tournament was scheduled to be a two-day tournament. Uh, there was going to be a top 32 cut because the original tournament was scheduled to have upwards of 120-some players. And so it was like top quarter. Uh, uh, we definitely didn't have that many people. <laughs> and because of that, there was some initial confusion, I guess I would say, about how, how the tournament was going to be run. But ultimately what happened is that there was a day two cut for the top eight of our 30, no, 28 players who actually ended up playing the tournament. And uh, they used total tournament points to determine who won it was never a uh never single elimination bracket style end to the tournament so uh we didn't we didn't truly know who was on top at any one time although you could use some of the match results to kind of math it out if you were interested um so to give that sort of backdrop of what did this tournament look like um let's let's then rewind pre going into the tournament what what were your decks and what were your expectations and feelings about uh what you thought you might face in this meta um skylar let's start with you all right so I played my Headcrackers Fort Crackers deck, yeah. which was the Mad Mob paired with Fearsome Fortress. Um, going into Adepticon, I thought that this was a particularly strong um, pairing and really just wanted to uh, play Mad Mob. They're a favorite of mine and uh, actually played them at Adepticon uh, the previous year in the championship setting of the uh, Harrow Deep meta at the time end of hero deep um so <laughs> guilty for bringing them two years in a row um but when fearsome fortress came out i was immediately inspired to make this deck because um with the surges bold sortie and earthworks um they become 
reliable surges that I can score on not just the first round, but the first activation of the game as a result of the pushes that I can provide Daco and um, Wallop. And then with the Fearsome Fortress token placement at the beginning, it really reemphasizes uh, the ability to capitalize on, on their initial push, uh, giving them that landing pad. So I just was already super familiar with the strength of Headcracker, and I wanted to be able to maximize that three glory uh, primacy reward. Um, they've got a particularly powerful um, end, third end phase too in Great Hunters where it's got flexibility. It's a hybrid third end phase, which you love to see, um, where you either have uh, one or fewer enemies uh, still remaining on the board and um, that scores all on its own, uh, or you are on the enemy territory with all of your surviving fighters and you have the primacy. Um, so there's, you know, arguably six points right there kind of baked in with that third end phase and primacy and hopefully being the one that can control primacy. Um, and then having the reliable start in the surges um, were... Just, just reasons why I thought this was going to be um, a powerful scoring deck. And then um, as far as like the field and my expectations, I definitely expected to see more uh, Gnarl Spirit pack than we did. And I definitely didn't expect to end up against both of the GSP players in the field. Uh, thank you, random Swiss pairings. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, I was... Uh, one of the things I w- thought uh, I'd be able to get through um, was other elite warbands that were out there. I thought I'd be able to control primacy in those matchups a little better. Um, I had a very hard time actually taking fighters down in this particular tournament, especially day two. <laughs> um, day two, um, I, I suppose it's kind of uh, getting ahead of myself uh, in the spoilers category. I actually didn't take a single game on day two. And <laughs> my first yeah. opponent... <laughs> I'm sorry. My, <laughs> <laughs> my first opponent of the tournament, uh, after we had played our series, uh, he actually went to our Discord and shouted out, um, Skylar's at Adepticon or something at the Adepticon Grand Clash. Go find him. He can't roll crits. Uh, <laughs> something <laughs> something along those lines. Reverting <laughs> statement, indeed. Yeah, and that's how uh, the start of the tournament was and the end of the tournament for me. There was a sweet spot in the middle where I was allowed to have some exciting dice. But uh, <laughs> uh, for the most part, they, uh, they abandoned me. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kind of, kind of all over the board there, um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass the torch, uh, Brian. Uh, what was your deck, and what were your expectations? I'm one of those Gnarl Spirit guys. I yeah. knew that Gnarl Spirit was gonna be there, and I embraced the Gnarlism. I was struggling uh, through the season to try and make something else work, something that I enjoyed, and I wasn't uh, able to make that happen. So kind of went with what was good and post the beta rule uh, i thought that gsp while being nerfed uh was still strong uh, kind of feel that they're still a little too strong but at the same time uh i had a kind of a neat painting idea so i kind of went with it for that reason um but i yeah. just went in the classic gnarl spirit pack and tooth and claw 
Yeah, well, tell folks a little bit about that. I, I, I suppose we should have covered that maybe as your hobby since you painted up a new warband for this tournament. Uh, you want to just give folks a quick rundown of what you did? Yeah, so on a lot of their art, it features them in their beast mode with their skulls and kind of like animal spirits aflame in like red spirit ether mist or whatever. So I kind of wanted to replicate that on the models. Tall Order trying to make ghostly ethereal uh, heads on top of the barbarians, but I kind of used what was already given to me and made a few conversions. So uh, Goral had like this big, strong gorilla bear type skull on him in a lot of his art. So I put a uh, orc skull on top of him, not with the jaw because he already has the jaw around his neck, um, mm-hmm. but kind of put that on top of his head like a hat. Probably not as good of work as I should could have done. But uh, and then for uh, Kira, she's the only other bear head one. Uh, I used this cool demon skull mask from like, I think kingdom death. Thank you, Skylar. And put that on her face. That one I think turned out really well. I was really happy with that one. And so I, I just painted them up like barbarians to sort of suit my, uh, age of Sigmar army and, uh, the marauders that I have. Um, and then painted their, the skulls on top of their faces and heads like uh, Lupin's mask and Sarkar's mask uh, as like this bright red with vibrant orange kind of fiery edges. Did it, did it look ethereal? Not really, but it was very eye catching. Uh, so I was kind of happy at least with that uh, much of it. I did give them also like uh fiery eyeballs and out of their mouths as though they're like bursting with power, you know, and that kind of like, I don't know, powerful cartoon style. Uh, Yeah. But I I, also stepped it up and gave them a display base. So I actually had just this easy oval uh, with a nice rim. uh, uh, What is it? Uh, Forget the wood, wood shop tool, my wood shop class from high school. Um, but the, the molding around the side of it to give it a nice edge, big black base around or big black base trim around that. And then gave them like a rocky cork based, uh, deserty dry, arid desert kind of, uh, terrain to be in. I even, while I was driving around at work, I saw some bushes and plucked some burrs and spiky plants and added that into the train to give it this hostile vegetation look uh, so i was really proud of that yeah i think it landed very well i uh i thought it was very well done i thank you I do you think if uh if you weren't going up against kyle dalton you, <laughs> you know, uh, for folks who maybe know him by his uh online moniker of pale king hobby uh <laughs> definitely check it out King on instagram King. lots of lots of great painting yeah. on there but yeah he's the, yeah he's now the uh, three-time yeah three-time best painted champion and also a multi-entrant golden demon contestant so i mean some some real stiff competition there so uh but yeah definitely check his stuff out um so yeah so you're you're looking aggro what were you feeling um about what what you were expecting to see in the tournament as far as the field goes 
Uh, it was largely kind of what we expected. Uh, we did a bit of a preview with our Adepticon expectations and what the meta might look like. I think Hexbane's GSB, Headcracker's Mad Mob uh, were all prevalent callouts. I can't remember if there was like a wild card that we anticipated, but it was also, I think, a, a good spread there. There were, I think, two Rippas, two GSP, two, two Headcrackers, and two Hexbanes. Um, uh, yep. Was there a triple or anything? Uh, there were two or three Gore chosen. Yeah. Um, yes, but I don't remember the exact breakdown. Um, there was also two Worm Spat, which uh, I definitely did not expect. Both of those were yeah. there for the painting, though. Those those guys brought it, one of them being Kyle Dalton. Yeah. And they did play well, too. Um, there was one chosen Axis player. Pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, the legend. Yeah. There's multiple Skittershanks players. Um, Mournflight, uh, oh, which yeah. I think we had maybe called as like one that would probably show up just because they're always pretty solid, even if you're not seeing them as much lately. Yeah, I think he got yeah. second in the Dice Heroes tournament with uh, Davey. Yes, yes, he did. Uh, went undefeated. I think it was Damien from Cal- uh, Canada. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's fair to say um, our our guesses about the mag- uh, meta being fairly aggressive were correct. Um, I know personally. Uh, so I was, you know, playing the, my daring Delver stalkers, and you were playing the fringe, uh, the fringe meta. The, the very fringe uh, hold hold objectives Who in this that? extremely aggro meta. Um, I definitely want to you know shout out everybody in our Discord community and Davey for sort of talking me into sticking with them despite having some pretty bad practice matches before we went down. Um, because I I was like one loss away from deciding that like, no, this wasn't going to work. Um, my, my feelings about the meta were basically like, I'm just going to get shredded because I've got all these two wound fighters. This isn't going to work. It's just going to be really bad. Um, but I'm very glad I stuck with it. Uh, the deck, the deck had a 19 glory objective deck, I believe if I'm remembering correctly. And so the goal was basically, I'm just going to outscore, like I'm just going to foot race here and I'm just going to try and outscore the aggro players and try and just get enough glory that even if they kill all my skinks, it doesn't matter. Um, But that is something we can talk about here as we start talking the match overviews. So so happy you brought skinks. (laughs) (laughs) I, after the fact, I was very happy I did too, mostly because they're my favorite warband and I hadn't played them in a tournament really because um, I was always feeling like they were just not quite fitting the meta and that they weren't going to stand up on their own. But uh feel good about the choice now. Well, I definitely think they aren't fitting the meta, but you certainly no. made them stand. They, Yeah, they, they stood out. Um, I think I surprised a number of people, um, myself included. So, so for the match overview, we've got uh, 
effectively a seven round tournament. Uh, like I said, we did, we had this top cut, but because we went with total tournament points, it was kind of like day two was a continuation of the first day, except that there was fewer potential matchups. Um, so we'll just give a, a brief overview of everything that we faced and some of the highlights there, and then we can kind of talk through some of what we learned in those matchups. So, uh, Brian, how about you start us off this time about who all your opponents were and maybe some of the highlights? Yeah, so day one, we played four games. I started off going up against Blake uh, from the Art of War. He was in his Art of War jersey, so I was like, uh-oh. But I was in my Tundra Tactics jersey, so he was <laughs> like, "Who? oh, you know those guys? I was like, yeah, but no. And, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's all right. I just started out... Uh, underworlds yesterday i was like oh but uh you're you're art of war guy so i'm not gonna pretend like you don't know what you're doing or you're gonna catch on quick he was playing hex banes and game one started out um kind of as a a little bit of a tutorial like i was making sure he was moving his dogs around making sure he was using amos's support um helping out with uh, a lot of the rules he was missing a lot of the price of victory and it's a tournament, so like you know, I'd remind him once or twice. But if he kept rem- misremembering, then uh, you know, I didn't like tell him every time. But it was like after the game, he's like, "So what should I do differently?" Because I did win the first one. Uh, I was like, "Price of victory, remember that price of victory." And he, I was like, "You, you kept." He kept getting better at remembering the dogs and stuff, so I didn't have to rem- remind him each time. Game two, completely changed like completely caught on <laughs> and uh i lost nine to eleven and so we went Ooh. to game three and again he was tightening it down even harder and it was just like god these art of war guys learn quick um but i did pull out the victory eight to six against his hex banes for a final so the- 33 to 20 for glory differential so for those who aren't familiar uh what's uh the art of war So they are a uh, professional Warhammer competitor team. Uh, So they have uh, their own Discord and Patreon. They provide uh, courses and tutoring to uh, players in Age of Sigmar, 40K, I believe, Kill Team. Uh, And so they play in all kinds of game systems. And they're like, well, this is a competitive game, so I wanted to see what Underworlds is about. And they're like, it's a really tight game system. So it's like, they actually had uh, Blake and another one of his friends uh, were playing in the tournament and they're just like, the game system's really good. The models are sick. And uh, so they were really jazzed about it. And I think everybody walked away from the preview excited for the next season too. So um, he just threw these guys together and he learned quick. It was amazing. Yes. Great opponent too. Like, Absolutely. Um, so then my game two was against Jesse P. I remember him from last year, but I didn't get the pleasure of playing against him. I think he played Ripa's last year as well. Uh, and so Ripa's in the gnarl spirit, all aggro all day. It was like, it was a nail biter. <laughs> um, but the dice went heavily in my favor. Round one, 10 I had him tabled first activation of round two. Because he was like, do I go first or do I go second? 
and I'm sitting there with a plus one dice upgrade, plus one damage upgrade, and Kira's in beast mode, hidden behind a wall of my dudes. And if he let, if he went first, then I was going to throw those upgrades on her. She was going to whip around the corner and go scything into three wolves. And that's exactly what she did. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Nuked him. Um, or maybe I killed, I think I killed Ripa around one and she nuked the remaining two there. So, uh, 10-0 that game. And then the next game was much more sporting, uh, a very much more nail biter game, uh, jockeying for position and getting those, uh, kills and a narrow victory there, 11 to nine. So a really good game there. Really great opponent there. Um, Game three was against you, Phil, and your lizards. And I'm just like, (laughs) I'm just going to nom 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 on some two health lizards. This is going to be great. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Not so much. Not so much. Um, I don't remember if it was game one or game two, but I couldn't seem to get the kills flowing. Um, I think game two I had all but Clacktrock dead, but you're just glory. uh, Glory scoring was so fast. I couldn't keep up, and my kills weren't uh, stifling you quick enough. So it was game one, 11 and 19. Uh, any thoughts from the first game? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it was mostly just a situation of, like, trying to do um, some damage mitigation, basically, where it was like, I need to be able to be scoring passively as best I can without giving up some easy attacks. There were some crucial attacks from Goral, I remember, that didn't land, which gave me opportunities to sort of continue to position and score more glory while you had to wait out these charged fighters. Um, I was able to keep Kira from getting scything attacks, which I felt like was the main threat to my warband. So I was playing around that probably more than anything else. Um, cause I knew that that, if it went off would probably mean that I lose more than one fighter at a go. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, I, my game plan was essentially, I just need to score enough glory that he can't catch up. Um, because, uh, with stuff like, um, you know, the, the, uh, great plan you, you have these turns where all of a sudden you score three end phase for seven glory. And it's like, all right. And I just ran away with this. Do you have enough to score um, where you can get up to, you know, 19, 20 glory. And uh, for me anyway, thankfully you did not. No, my deck relies on uh, kill surges. And then um, the end phase is usually um, whether or not those oaths were met or if I am surrounded by or mixed up in you and you were doing, you were very skittish and dodging away and it was hard to close ranks with you. And when I did, I often whiffed. Um, So I was still able to score some glory, but I think game two, it was like, I finally got some lizards dead. It was maybe just clack truck and one more alive. And, but you were already ahead at 20. I was, Still able to score well to 16, but not enough to close. Yep. So game four, uh, final game of day one, uh, Michael and his worm spat. Uh, 
I learned through our game, uh, I'll be I'll be honest here. It was not a, a dice sporting match between me and his worms bet. I don't think he made a single uh, significant defense save, and there was no damage mitigation whatsoever. So worms bet didn't have their tank ability working for him. Uh, but through our match, I learned that this is the same infamous Michael that gave Davey his yes, infamous annihilation uh, loss at his first Adepticon. So it's poetic because uh, last year, I my first game of Adepticon, I m- met a similar fate of an annihilation <laughs> loss to another participant in this year's event. Um, so that was great to catch up with him and uh, – see how far back him and Davy have been crossing paths at events. Um, but like I said, I did take the victory here. Um, 12-0 and then 12-2. So the Worms bet saves were not helping him and it was uh, the dice were just turned off this match for him. So sorry, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Better luck next year, right? Yeah. I think this is a, maybe a good a good time to mention that um, to this point, it sounds like you've had three matches where dice being hot or cold on one side or the other was a significant factor in how the game actually turned out. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I think we can analyze it more later, but it's an interesting part of having an aggro meta, isn't it? Where, oh, yeah. Like, your whole deck sort of hinges on whether your dice are going to roll well or not. And if they roll absolutely horribly, everything kind of falls apart. Yeah, um, and a lot of the uh, strategy is to try and mitigate the dice. The Gnarl Spirit Pack brings a lot of uh, tools for plus one dice or rerolls and getting cleaver and snare with tooth and claw. Um, yeah. There's ways to mitigate that, but sometimes when you just don't roll any successes, there's not much else you can do. Um, yeah. And especially when you need that seed glory to get the ball rolling to get upgrades to mitigate those dice. Um, when you just can't get that first kill, uh, sometimes you're starved. Absolutely. Sometimes dice be dice be dice. Yeah. Some, sometimes dice be dice. <laughs> yeah, you roll three hammers, all swords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then, Skylar, you, you sound excited. What What happened for you in day one? So, uh, jumping actually back a little earlier than my day one, I want to shout out uh, some of my opponents from Dice Heroes real quick. Uh, so, sure. uh, for Dice Heroes, I ran Scase the Wild Hunt because uh, I couldn't not. Uh, a charity tournament sounded like a perfect opportunity to go rep one of my favorites. Um, and I got to play against... Okay, I really hope I got these names right because uh, we had paper sheets that we were using to track. <laughs> we sure were. <laughs> And I really thought that that paper sheet was going home with me, and it did not. Um, so my first two opponents of the day uh, was a couple that uh, flew in from, I believe, Oklahoma City, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so was really excited to see them there. Uh, and that is the app keys. Um, so shout out to Liz. Uh, you, I definitely remember your name. Uh, your husband, I believe his name was Colin. If you're listening, pretty sure I nailed that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And uh, there was a Sons of Elmorn team repped by Liz, and she was an incredible opponent. She was actually rocking a Rivals um, list uh, versus my Skates uh, plus Daring Delvers combo. And uh, she beat me 0-2. So afterwards, I had to go check with my teammates to make sure that they were still all right with me being on the podcast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We still have to meet about that. (laughs) Because it was Sons of Elmorn rivals, and she played them expertly. I think that um, I wouldn't have stood a chance at all if uh, she had any uh, pairing mixed in there. She was uh, just incredibly skilled uh, as a player. Um, Her husband was rocking Colin. Colin, yes. Uh, (laughs) Was rocking, um, oh, Storm of... No, I'm sorry. Zendaya's True Zendaya's Seekers. Seekers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and he was one of the most enthusiastic opponents I've ever played against. Um, it was memorable in that uh, sense because every turn involved uh, a grudge match of characters charging in at me. Um, I definitely killed um, Talos a few times and announced myself a birderer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this was the type of opponent that takes that uh, sort of thing personally uh, and made sure that, um, oh, the Zandire's True Seeker with the, the hammer uh, punished me greatly. Uh, like, we went into round two, I didn't have anybody dead, and then all of a sudden, three of my hunters were down. I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, I got um, a shout out that he had used a chrome pen or like some sort of chrome paint used for like model cars uh, to highlight the metals on his true seekers. And it was like, sometimes that paint like at chrome paint is really difficult to actually like get a true chrome effect. And on those little pieces on the true seekers, it like really made those glow. Like, cause it was like a mirror, it, it looks stunning. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he used it to highlight like all the edges of the armor as if it was trimmed in chrome. He was working mm. on that. Um, so, and they were the only other colors present really was like this muted or dirty white on the armor, and then um, like this dark blue on the cloak. So that chrome, like coming through and trimming everything out and being all the metal bits, just popped. Yeah, it I'm, was really really cool. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to look into that for like sword edges and stuff. And then um, moving on to my third match, uh, it was versus Sean, and he was the other Sons of Elmorn player uh, at that particular event. Um, that one went much better for me. I actually ended up going uh, 0-2 losses uh, against Liz, uh, Ty Collin, and uh, lost in t- or sorry, win into uh, versus my second run at uh, Sons of Elmorn, and I think that was uh, a little bit of luck and a little bit of. Um, uh, long boarding. <laughs> uh, he gave me bur- boy- boor- board choice. There we go. There's the <laughs> word. Um, after after handing me a board, and I was just like, "Oh boy, we're long boarding this." And he's like, "No." <laughs> so, uh, particular memorable experience there. But the, uh, that, that's all to say the um, the Dice Heroes event was a ton of fun. And one of the things I'm not going to forget from Adepticon this year was um, hearing like uh, Sean say he was returning to the game. Colin say that they had a local scene at one point in time that had kind of um, disappeared as a result of COVID and um, that 
you know, he was going to kind of hang the game up and was kind of hoping that this was going to be its last hurrah. He was going to get there and he was going to find out that everybody was super competitive and uh, that it wasn't going to be any fun. But he had so much fun. He was like, well, dang it. Now I want to reignite <laughs> my local. This is awesome. Why couldn't you have all sucked? You know, <laughs> we will never uh, let it die. <laughs> not, as, not at all. But all right. Uh, so, uh, getting that preamble aside, uh, going into the grand clash, uh, my first opponent was, uh, a listener, uh, named Nick and he was rocking Haskell's rascals. Uh, there were actually three of these throughout the events, um, of which I fight two. Uh, the only other war bands that got three, uh, I looked it up, uh, was warm spat and gore chosen of drum. Um, so, uh, Haskell's Rascals definitely expected to see them. And, um, this particular match, the most memorable thing for me was that, um, he had actually painted the, um, pups, uh, of the warband, uh, like two of his own, um, pit bulls. Uh, and they were named Laney and Cinderella. And I remember in one of our games, um, this was this was such a, a fun little moment. Was uh, I rushed at Cinderella and he called her Cindy and was like, "No, don't kill Cindy." Um, and sure enough, like I think she double critted because uh, I'd already taken the other dog out, so there was two dodge you know available to her. Double yeah. crit defense, uh, and then on his turn, he turned around, retaliated, uh, and got a bite off. Uh, from Cinderella, and she took down an orc. Um, I went wow. to go take <laughs> take uh, you know wallop or Dak. I think it was probably wallop off the table. And uh, he was like, "Oh, hey, uh, you know, could you put that back? I want to take a picture so I can show my daughter that uh, Cinderella was able to take down an orc." And I was like, "Absolutely." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was a really fun match. Uh, actually, all my matches were were an absolute blast. Um, my next game was against Gerard, the professor, um, one of the like opponents from last year that I knew I competitively wanted to, um, like compete against at some point, uh, you know, across the table, like, like really there, there are a few opponents, uh, that pre-existed like me joining tournaments that I was like excited to like come up against eventually, uh, like Gerard, Jimmy, um, even our own Davy and Phil, Davy evaded me uh, at a couple locals uh, for a while before I got a chance to like take him on at a head table. And that was um, a highlight of that particular event for me. Um, uh, but uh, Gerard being one of those players, like when I sat down, I was I was just excited. Uh, he's got such energy. He's so skilled. He's taken tournaments before uh, and he brought well, he, him. He won the Nova with Molog. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um uh, 2022. So, uh, what did he bring this time? Uh, the gnarl spirit pack, uh, daring delvers. So I was, he was saying that he didn't have as many reps on this one as he'd like, uh, that he kind of just threw the deck together either the night before or within like the last three or so nights. Um, but, uh, the, the games were so much fun and the, most memorable of it was uh, our second game. So we actually tie uh, and we tied because we only got to play two games and we, we ran them a little long, um, the both of us. So we actually had to call the TO over and ask him like, hey, you know, uh, we know we're running really close to the end of time here. Should we start a third uh, or should we just call it here? Uh, and the um, 
the call was to count it as a tie at this point. Um, so uh, he won. Uh, he won the first game, and in the second game, I was able to win it by pulling out an eight glory swing in my final activation, and that felt amazing. Uh, to set the stage, he had three of his. Um, no, is that true? Oh, sorry. He had two uh, of the Gnarl Spirit Pack still alive and on the board. That was uh, Goral, and it was uh, his leader. And I had uh, two alive as well. I believe it was Wallop and Headcracker. Uh, so he ends up killing Headcracker before I can um, do what I need to get done there. So I've just got Wallop, but I've charged him out already, and I want him to think that he's safe. Uh, but he's not. Uh, so Goral is up in enemy territory, and Goral is um, a large fighter at this point in time with some damage already dealt to him. So I really just need to get in and get one swing. But with my charged out range one fighter, that's probably not going to happen looking at the board. Um, oh, maybe it was Tooth Dagger. Ah, uh, one, of, one of the murdery orcs. Um, I think <laughs> probably Tooth Dagger. Um, but I uh, charged out. And what I had on him was walking wall. Uh, and I was able to use redeploy going into my final activation to move him four and get him parked right next to Goral all of a sudden and try for that final, you know, that final swing on that attack. And it did go through. Uh, and at that point in time, I'd lost my leader, so I didn't have primacy. Um, he's only got two dead. And in order to get uh, smash him, which is in my hand for two points, either two of them need to be dead and I have primacy and I don't have primacy or three of them needs to be dead. Um, and then I've got great hunters in my hand and there's two of him alive yet. So I'm not going to score that unless either a um, I can get primacy and be in his territory or Goral is uh, dead and there's only his enemy leader left. Well, so, in both cases, like smash them, if I had primacy, it would score. Um, <laughs> Great hunters, if I had primacy, it would score. Uh, okay, like the hybrids on those score if Goral dies, but I also get primacy. Like so, <laughs> either way, it's being satisfied here. But I need Goral down, um, and uh, the attack landed, granting me two for uh, the large fighter kill, one for primacy at the end, and then the five from the the scoring cards I mentioned, all from that that one moment. So mm. uh, it swung that particular match, uh, like ending with twenty one to sixteen. And if that attack just simply misses, uh, I'm at. Uh, I lose that one, uh, 13 to 16. Um, so we were, wow. <laughs> we were both ge geeking out about that moment Man. afterwards, running through how many points was that final kill? Uh, All yeah. of them. Um, and then my, my next opponent uh, is a returning opponent from last year. Uh, shout out uh, Discord user Slim Jim on our server, uh, Jimmy. Uh, he was rocking the arena. And I believe his pairing was Tooth and Claw here. I don't 100% recall which one was making the pairing. It definitely wasn't Fearsome Fortress. Um, but if I had to bet money, it was Tooth and Claw. Uh, the one that gave me my Annihilation loss in the last year. Yes. Yeah, with his crushes. So we had fought last year as well. 
And so he said uh, that he was looking forward to r- the rematch against the Headcrackers and that he hoped, um, you know, it would go much differently this year. Because uh, turns out last year, apparently, uh, they were the better orcs. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, uh, but uh, he was my last opponent. One of my no one of my last opponents of the year prior and i remember uh it being so much fun and when the last year had wrapped up uh he was one of the individuals that hung around and and spoke with us a little bit so throughout the year we've been trying to get him to some of our local events uh and they haven't panned out timing wise for him so to see him again here was really great especially since he said that he's been trying to um stir up a local uh and has been unsuccessful and so he hasn't I didn't get a chance to really practice theory and I going into uh, the tournament, but still got them like bought them. They were only, you know, two weeks on the shelf at that point, uh, got them painted, got them there, you know, got a comprehensive deck built out that he was going to be satisfied with um, w- without the ability to practice. And uh, our games were really fun. Uh, I did take this in two. Um, so at this point uh, I haven't actually had a true round loss. Um, Took the, the the first one against Hexbane uh, Hunters uh, 2-0, tied with Gerard, and then uh, took this one. Um, and then my fourth and final opponent for day one was um, another listener uh, by the name of Paul. And once again, Haskell's Rascals. Um, in this case, there was a little bit of um, like a, a BCP related event that kind of put us here. Well, eh, no, it it wasn't BCP's fault. It's just uh, we had two different people drop uh, between rounds three and four. Um, So I was actually paired into a a different individual at that time. I I think an Andrew Waxtell. Yeah, Um, so a, a higher bracket player dropped and a lower bracket player dropped. So you were meant to pair against the higher bracket. And so you and the lower bracket player whose opponents both dropped got paired up. Right. And the reason for that at the time was, and and I don't think I would, uh, like if I was the TO in this position, um, I don't think I would rule it any other way, um, especially since it was day one. Um, But the round was actually like underway. People had sat down with their opponents, started rolling off for like and making decisions uh, before it was fully realized that there were two people that had dropped because like my opponent um, was an unknown drop uh, to the unceremoniously unceremoniously left. Yeah. Um, So uh, to like, not repair everybody that's how paul and i ended up uh facing each other and i'm really glad we did uh paul was an absolute joy to play games with um he let me know you know uh i'm a little bit newer uh to um like the hexbane hunters and uh he was learning a lot on them so asked me to be patient with him but uh he caught on and uh during round two he did something Uh, That was the memorable moment for me in our matchup was he started the game off with. So, you know, during round one, there were a lot of questions and um, a lot of like learning together and and just having a really good time with that first match. Um, But figuring out rules interactions that he wasn't aware of or um, like realizing that the particular wording on, you know, some things was like price of victory, like even though. 
uh, his leaders down, the other cards still have access to that ability when he's dead, uh, sort of deal. So, uh, like really good a match for like really getting down the warband, and then game two. Oh, like you were describing your situation with the Art of War uh, player and how he was picking up and your matches were getting harder and harder. Uh, Paul started off the round. He had uh, eye for an eye in his hand, and I didn't know this. Uh, so he charges uh, one of the orcs that I've put up, probably Daco, um, because I was using Daco's push very often to get him one close to uh, No Man's Land and on cover. Um charged in with i believe amos and when he did so he moved one of the dogs back and forth through a lethal killing the dog and i was like what are you doing (laughs) um but he landed the hit with amos uh dealing you know at least half my health uh in damage as an orc and then after that activation he was able to inspire the other dog and pock so for his second activation, he was able to come in with an inspired shot off a of Pock, you know, helping ensure that was really going to land uh, and uh, killed um, Daco and not only got glory for the kill, but then had eye for an eye already. So it was getting that momentum on his surges and he had a upgrade heavy hand. So he wanted some help getting that those upgrades out. And I actually thought that, that was uh, a really clever play. I don't think it is always the right play because... Um, I think the support capabilities uh, of the dogs um, are obviously incredible. And the fact that your opponent, you know, isn't rewarded for the first uh, dog they're able to take down. Like you want them to be frustrated with what feels like a lack of a reward for taking the first one down. Um, But in this case, I don't think it was a a wrong play. I actually think it was really clever and, and caught me off guard. So yeah, that was um, that was my day one. It was an absolute blast. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so we have two very well played day ones from Brian and Skylar so far. Um, for me, uh, I I had <laughs> looking looking at it now, I realized that I had quite the gamut after my round one. Um, so round one, uh, this is also another, I believe anyway, this is Tony, uh, I believe also from the Art of War group, um, was playing Skitter Shanks, which uh, gave me some flashbacks to Wednesday night when uh, this was my first match in that tournament as well. And uh, just got critted out really hard in that match. And I was just like, oh man, is this just going to be a repeat of what happened in that tournament? Um, but as it turned out, no. Uh, we we had some some very cold dice in round one. I managed to win uh, with a very large glory differential, um, just because the rats couldn't land a single attack, and it it felt bad because he had said that you know I I picked this game up two two days ago or whatever, and I was like oh no like I just gave him this like probably feel bad game. Um, hopefully this isn't like coloring his thoughts of the game. Well, uh, he, he came back swinging. Um, we had quite, quite the dance with two warbands with a lot of speed five fighters um, where we're having our fighters move across both boards multiple times during the game because I wanted to be in his territory, but he was trying to get after my leader and I was trying to keep him away from him. 
And ultimately, he ended up outscoring me in game two because he did manage to kill my leader um, and score all of those juicy, uh, big glory scores that those rats have for taking out leaders. Um, but then, uh, so had to go to three, did manage to pull it out. Um, got, got another more favorable turn where, uh, again, dice, dice were in my favor and I was able to just sort of camp out on all the objectives and, uh, score enough glory to come out on top for my second round. I had to face our very own Josh, uh, with his gore chosen, which I was very worried about. Um, because they definitely put the beat down and they have pings and they can be disruptive to positioning. And he wants to be on objectives because he was playing fearsome fortress. So I, I knew going into this, I needed to be careful about where I put my objectives because I needed to still be able to get into enemy territory, but I didn't want them to be near no one's land. Um, which often I prefer that the objectives, at least one of them be right on the line so that I can sort of easily move on to it um for the inspire without having to you know risk my fighters too much but in this case i wanted no part of um (laughs) letting letting gorehulk get anywhere near the skinks and just throttle them to death um so it was like okay uh you know the the strategy here is going to be threaten with clack he is the sacrificial lamb He's going to be up front. He's going to pull all the attention and hopefully he survives long enough to allow for the rest of the warband to do their thing. Uh, that might have worked, except I made some really boneheaded plays in round one of our first match where I had Will of the Salon, which is the card that requires you to hold an objective in both players' territory. I had... Um, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but anyway, there's, there's one that's hold more objectives than your opponent. So I was like, I only need to hold like two probably to be able to pull this off. Cause he's a three fighter war band. And then, um, I also had a surge that required me to flip, um, is astromatrix alignment where you flip a token and enemy territory and it's a surge to score one. So I was like setting up for all of this and, I go and stand on the objective and I'm going to flip it because I'm like, I'm going to score the surge now so I can cycle it out and get another thing to score in the end phase. I do that, draw into a card I can't score, and I'm like, it's fine. I'll just delve it back. You can't do that. Nope. (laughs) No, 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 I would. So as soon as I did it, I was like, oh no, I've now locked out my end phase and i will not score anything because i have no way of getting back onto an objective in enemy territory and uh josh then proceeded to crush and maim all of my fighters and handily beat me i don't quite remember what the scores were i wasn't keeping super close notes but i know he crushed me and it felt really bad but it was a very good learning experience for the rest of the tournament because i was like have to remember that can't multi-delve don't just score astromatrix alignment just because it's in your hand you have to time it right so i come back rounds two and three and i managed to just outscore him and keep keep ahead by playing safer 
and actually getting through my objective uh, hand rather than completely bricking myself. Um, to Josh's credit, he had one more glory than me at the end of our three games. And that, I'm sorry, Josh, but I handed you a loss where you had a positive glory differential. Uh, that does not happen very often. Um, so unfortunately, I did have to sort of dash one of our team you know we're kind of like a team right i mean we're all on the same podcast and it's like no (laughs) one thing that we definitely were more conscious of this year was when a tournament is organized through bcp or best coast pairings is you can enter a team name and last year we didn't do that and so we ended up having some uh round one pairings that were like Skylar and I might play each other all the time. I don't think this happened, but it's like Skylar and I might play each other all the time and we end up starting the tournament with one of us having to walk away with the deficit. Yeah, Um, knocking each other out. Yeah, but if you put a common team name in there, all the same punctuation and uh, capitalizations, then you can avoid each other for at least round one. Uh, So that was really good because we had six of us, right? Or five. Five. Uh, it was Jazz and Alex, uh, us three, and Josh. So six. six. Oh, I yeah. didn't count. I yeah. didn't count. I didn't count Josh. <laughs> oh, ouch. He won't take that personally. <laughs> Josh, if you're listening, uh, you you know you know how Skyler thinks about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Jo- Skyler knows how Josh thinks about him. <laughs> it's fine. But anyway, uh, yeah. But, so apologies. yeah. So we all we all put our uh, common team names in there so that we could avoid each other round one. But then that doesn't spare yeah. you from later rounds because then it goes to the actual scoring. But it's a way that you don't just wind up fighting your friends that you fight all the time after traveling so long and just. Yeah, punching each other out of the event. Yeah, right away. So knocked knocked Josh down after just the second round. Um, we kind of knew that like you you can you can lose a game and still make it to day two, but to win the whole thing, you kind of need to be able to get pretty close to undefeated. So, um, so you kind of know if you see one of your teammates, somebody's walking away a little disappointed. Um. And, and as Brian already mentioned, I then had to face Brian in round three. Oh, and hi. as we talked about, so so I back to back have to face teammates. Um, and and as as we talked about, managed to rack up glory fast enough that there was not a way to catch back up. Um, so although I had to go to three in my first two matches and then managed to take out Brian, I... I'm effectively undefeated, although I did have the two game losses, um, no match losses. So that put me up against the other undefeated player for the day. And uh, if anybody knows the results of the tournament, they they should know who this is going to be. Uh, I had to face Amon at the end of day one. And Amon of Path to Glory fame. Uh, yes, indeed. podcast, uh, stellar player. And uh, it was uh, immediately a daunting proposition yeah absolutely i mean i think everybody kind of assumed that you know if you wanted to take top spot on this tournament you're gonna have to be able to go through them on um so 
uh, well, I wasn't looking forward to his headcrackers matchup, which was running during Delvers, which uh, so a little different than what I'd been practicing against with Skylar. Um, I thought I probably knew the matchup fairly well, and I figured I've got a good way to be able to sort of hang back, try and score a little bit before having to engage too heavily and um, try and come away with a win. I unfortunately did not give him a good showing at all, um, which was a combination of some really atrocious dice and some fairly poor opening uh, power card hands. The objectives were fine, but my deck really is reliant on having power cards that allow for positioning and uh, exploiting the exploration mechanic to be able to score some of your surges and be fast enough to get onto objectives in enemy territory. And I just drew into a whole bunch of upgrades um, after mulliganing. So game one, if I recall correctly, um, I only managed to score like five total glory as I just couldn't get anything started. And uh, and Amon just came through and just was knocking off my fighters left and right and scoring everything that he had in his entire deck. Um, and it was just like, uh-oh. This, this is not good. All right, we'll get through game one, come back and have the deck work better. Game two. Um, board's positioning different, trying a different strategy of like needing to be able to do. So I long boarded in the first game thinking, I want to keep the orcs away from me. Uh, what obviously that didn't work because then I couldn't score any of my stuff um, and just didn't have the power cards game two i figured okay that didn't work let's try squaring things up so i can like try and run around his guys well uh pretty much the same thing happened except i actually had a decent power hand i just couldn't you know stay on objectives because i'd get knocked off from his attacks and i couldn't land any of my attacks i i only managed to kill one orc across both games and it was just pretty terrible I, I think i only got four glory in the second game so um felt really bad i was feeling like man i don't even know what i would do if differently because at this point we we're still thinking so so this is the end of day one for all of us i was still thinking going into day two we're doing single elimination bracket top eight i know i've made it to top eight because i was at the top table but you know i was assuming i was going to have to play amon again and i was thinking to myself what am I even going to do differently in this game coming next uh, in the next day? So a uh, little bit of a poor headspace, but um, had to sort of shake it off and come back swinging the next day. Uh, I guess that's something maybe we didn't cover for you guys. What what were you thinking um, knowing that you'd made the top eight cut uh, going into day two? What were your what were your sort of thoughts headspace? Well, just a follow up is after a game like that, uh, coming away and like you should always try and uh, reflect on your performance and think what I what could I have done differently? Uh, how could I improve upon? But if you made all the right decisions and kind of mitigated risk as best as you could mitigate the dice as best you can, there's only so much you can do. And like as long as you felt confident that you made the right choices and you weren't like, Oh, there was a glaring mistake that really turned the game. Uh, I mean, that's as good of a loss as you can hope for. 
Yeah, of course. That's a good learning experience for anybody who's going to play this game is that sometimes you just get lucked and there's just not a lot you can do. And it's not anything that you did wrong necessarily, although there's always ways to mitigate dice. Like Brian said, sometimes even if you do, you still can't overcome it. And, and that's something you have to just have to get used to. And especially if it happens in early rounds of tournaments, don't, don't let it get you down, right? Like you've got to be able to come back from that, stay in a de- in like a positive headspace and yeah, stay cause, focused. Yeah. Cause if you tilt, I know from my own experience, if you tilt, you make even more mistakes and it just further, uh, spirals yeah. and collapses. So, uh, absolutely maintaining a good headspace is critical to your overall performance and just being a good sport, which I am guilty of not being a perfect sport all the time. Yeah, I mean, everybody has those times where you get on tilt and and you're probably not the best opponent. But I think everybody also knows what that feels like and recognizes it and understands it. So in some ways, uh, people can be somewhat forgiving if it's not too egregious. So going into day two... Um, I had a win-win-loss-win. So my loss being to fill uh, hold objective warband, I was feeling still pretty good. Like, you know, I got to be really sharp with uh, my matchups going into day two, just uh, make sure that you mitigate those hold objectives, try and um, be a bit wiser about that and not just kill, kill, kill. Um, (laughs) But... That is kind of my whole game plan is GSB, is straight aggro. Uh, so I wasn't too uh, – I was, in, I was in a pretty good headset, just kind of a come what may uh, kind of mindset. Yeah. I would say similar. Um, <laughs> something that I unless, – unless you've experienced this uh, type of event before, you might not be familiar with just how exhausted – you are after the the blitz of rounds on day one. Um, you you should have uh, a good focus on on getting a good night's sleep if you make top cut uh, for the next day because yeah you're you're pretty burnt at the end of um, a mental competition like this where um, not only are you trying to compete to the best of your capabilities but you're trying to do it within um, allotted. Uh, round frameworks you know uh in our case uh two hour rounds um for three games and if any of your rounds are running slow and going over that kind of average of 40 minute expectation uh and you need to go to three you're robbing yourself of time for that third game so uh it it, it's a pretty uh taxing you know mental exercise uh to you know do a best of three um at a tournament alone but to do in our case uh for this one four of them uh in the first day uh, last year was even more of a brain burner we did five of them uh on the first day and <laughs> getting coherent sentences out of any of us <laughs> I, I will s- immediately following is <laughs> i totally um, agree uh yes last year was a total brain burner um but in a best two out of three it actually is a huge benefit if you can go 2-0 because you really reduce the amount of brain burn. Um, yes. For day one, I had three games, two games, two games, two games. Uh, so it, it, I was actually quite uh, fresh coming out of day one. Uh, but yeah, day day mm. one last year, five, five games was a 
blitz because it was also like an hour and a half round so you're also having to make these decisions split second uh one after the other and then man if you uh if you're crunch for that third game it was flying (laughs) absolutely Uh, my all my match well most of my matches went either two time or up against time uh and were still played in two um and i i was definitely um reflecting later like um i was a common denominator in all four of my rounds and we went to time like i'm really going to need to crank that up for tomorrow um but uh all i could think about for a good hour afterwards was food (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's actually a, a good point and something we should probably take a break here to just mention is that when you're doing these long tournaments they do give you breaks between rounds but it's usually no more than 45 minutes and so like there's not a lot of time to be able to go and get a drink, get a you know bite to eat, and you know go to the restroom before you have to sit down for another two hours of games. So in some ways, it's like maybe having water in a b- water bottle that you can have with you, having a snack that's like portable that you can have available during your match if like you really didn't have time, because the last thing you want is for your brain to just sort of shut down because you didn't have enough energy or you weren't hydrated or you're tired or whatever. Um, you know, you can, you can be super well practiced on your warband. You can have all the preparation in the world, but like if you aren't taking care of your body, you probably won't have the mental, uh, fortitude to sort of make it through. And so there's, there's some like just regular, just basic health stuff that you should probably think about if you're going to do something that's going to run, you know, eight hours like these tend to do. Um, so absolutely point from Skylar that uh, you get done with this and you haven't eaten much that day. And you're just like, I'm so hungry. (laughs) Yeah. I I saw you had uh, a whole pack of granola bars with you throughout the day. Uh, we have like a whole road crew. When we went down, we went, uh, me, Josh, Skylar and Jazzix, uh, Jazz and Alex. Uh, so we had a cooler with supplies ready to go at the hand. Um, so we were well prepared by the end of it. Yeah. Food. And I'm going to be my <laughs> own worst enemy here. And if you don't know about it, it's the best kept secret of Adepticon is Kuma's corner. If you want heavy metal and crazy burgers, it's amazing. Check it out. Yeah. Very tasty, but probably not the kind of place that you'd want to go to right after this when you've got a day two, unless you're a crazy person like Brian. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> All right. But that wraps up our day one where we're headed into day two what our headspace is like uh i think i will have skylar lead us off this time okay and uh that sounds good i had to apologize for (laughs) this this first match how did it go (laughs) skylar so we assumed uh, with the top eight cut that we would be paired against each other because ending day one, I was second uh, and Phil was seventh. Uh, so just with the um, traditional, uh, what what type of cut is that again? Um, or pairing um, from a tournament standpoint? Hmm. Where you uh, uh, foil. Uh, where you... One, one matches into eight, two matches into seven. Yeah, I, I mean, you got seeding, I think, is the 
term in sports. I don't know if it carries over to BCP, yeah. but either way, we were able to look at that. And uh, Phil and I <laughs> were pretty much both uh, laughing at each other uh, before we went to bed the, the night before. And we're like, study my deck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, so going into that one um the day before i so i was on three wins and a tie uh so i had not yet experienced my loss uh phil would give me that taste here in a moment um (laughs) (laughs) um, you know the first game really flew by uh it ended super close and it came down to what i thought at the time was the final activation um we were doing some math live uh and i realized like i if I sit here and try not to run over and kill his only remaining uh, skink at this point, can I win? Like I'm on an objective, he'll be on an objective. So we're going to be at the same place for tiebreakers. And like, so it's either going to true tie or he's going to edge me out. If he has enough points in his scoring hand right now, he only had two cards because he'd scored literally the other 10. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my three orcs are down. I think one of them gave up. Uh, yes, one of them gave up large fighter uh, glory. And in fact, we forgot that for a moment. So he was showing 21 points. And I was looking at my hand and I'm like, I'm also going to have 21 points. Like, uh, is this going to work out? Uh, or I have the potential to get 21 points if I can kill his skink uh, was really what I what I realized. Um, so went over, killed the skink. Or sorry, attempted to kill the skink and and failed, um, and he ran away. So he was able to uh, win. Um, but w- w- I guess uh, what was funny doing the math afterwards and kind of what I was roundabout uh, trying to arrive at was uh, even even in my wildest dreams of killing that skink and, and t- uh, getting to twenty one points, um, he actually had a large fighter glory that we were missing uh, when yeah. we did the count up and it was like oh wait no i'm at 22 like you actually like i was just i was just out of reach the whole time i was like dang it okay um but we we both scored close to our full decks there like he he absolutely scored his full deck and i i had to bury um one card i think i realized i just wasn't gonna get um so um overall really good game just uh he was able to like get the steam and pull ahead and like stay ahead ju- just by a smidge. So I felt okay going into the second game. I knew it was going to be really tight. He played he played the first game flawlessly. In fact, uh, in these two games, the only mistake he made was uh, the first game towards the end there. Uh, he ends up using a push gambit to pull a skink uh, towards where I'm standing so that he doesn't have to charge to make repeated attacks attempts against me. Um, but that allowed me the same thing and he didn't really need that kill. It wasn't actually going to advance his scoring hand. Um, and we realized this together. We actually talked about this immediately after the series. And I was like, "I, I think that was the only mistake. Otherwise, like, absolute flawless gameplay met with um dice you know good enough to support it uh i think the dice were very fair to both of us they averaged out over the course of our series and ultimately i just uh ended up uh like outplayed um by phil at the top of his game uh this particular morning um and in the second game i'll just touch on this one real quick uh this was the you you go into a second game like this in a series of three or at least i do thinking like okay i need this one Right. So 
like tighten up, like think through everything just uh, with, with like an extra thought cycle of like keep, uh, find, find the advantage, uh, think through where you lost your advantages in the first game. Like you need to, you need this to go to three. Uh, and there's also a little bit of pressure to then do it um, you know, as quickly as possible because you're going to need that time for that third one. Um, so I remember particularly uh, setting up uh, my first objective. I ended up picking objectives because uh, I was hoping he would square off the boards relatively uh, square f- uh, for our matchup. Um, and I took three and wanted to force him to come across the line if he wanted to inspire um, I also knew that he had stealthy advance and I ended up putting uh, what I thought was going to be a lovely bait feature token um, within four of one of his starting hexes. Uh, sure enough, when we got to placement, he put a skink there and uh, got on it. Well, I set up the other, my, my two pushers, Daco and Wallop, to push onto other feature tokens to discourage other spots for stealthy advance to occur. And he comes in and I'm thinking like, all right, sweet. I've got Headcracker right there. I've got Tooth Dagger right there. Like I'm going to close in on uh, that skink yeah, uh, and take him down. I've got in my hand um, two different uh, pushes to help me get into that position and keep that position. Uh, but the first thing I'm going to do is summon him down so that I've got some uh, like an easy target for primacy. Uh, sure enough, I got lucky. He had Stealthy Advance in his hand, came down. Uh, unfortunately, he also had the Exploration Church that scores if uh, you have an Explorer across the line um, that and your Exploration count is at least uh, that of the round. Um, so the first Glory got him going and, and got him uh, Explorer status. And then like the next activation, you know, he was already then um, getting that second Surge Glory off that position. I was like, oh, dang. Um, but... Uh, yeah, and I guess you must have had a uh, had something to increase your. Yeah, there's two power Expl- cards yeah. that I can use that just make the exploration count go up by one. So if you have a combination of any one of four cards in the deck, you can immediately score Pathfinders in round one. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so, like, this had also happened first game, uh, the stealthy advance Pathfinders uh, combo, uh, and I was just like, okay, like. Um, hopefully like he just has stealthy advance this time around, doesn't have them both, had them both, but I'm like, either way, I got the bait that I wanted. Uh, let's go. Uh, and, uh, the first attack was, you know, two dice looking for swords or no, uh, looking for spell dice, uh, for focus. Uh, I got like, I think I, I'm pretty confident I got two successes there and then he got a crit success. I was like, dang it. <laughs> yeah. Single, single dice crits. <laughs> uh, ran, ran in later with, uh, um, Tooth Dagger was like, okay, well, at least I had a plan B ready for this. I just, it wasn't what I wanted to use that activation for, but I was like, it was there for a reason. Like, we're, we're playing dice games, sometimes dice be dice. Uh, so I ran him in with um, three dice looking for uh, swords, and I got one or two successes again. And I was like, all right, uh, like, we'll get the primacy. We'll return to our game plan. I've got stockpile in my hand and hold to like i've got a brilliant hand i'm super excited about it um and uh i've got 
the pushes I need to, you know, keep the positions I'm looking for. But this is one of them. He needs to die. I, I didn't expect him to live. Uh, <laughs> and that second crit goes down, and I just looked at Phil, and I was like, really? <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I saw the hope drain from his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but uh, even then, I, I was able to... Like he, he his deck just started um like going straight in the flow state for him. Um and he was to twenty points uh by the end of the game and before I could know it, um I was able to like come back and try to save uh save face, keep the glory differential low. I got I got to fifteen there at the end, but uh in the third uh, I knew like all right, like now I'm just trying to keep the differential low. Like he's got this. I don't I can't reach him at this point. I was um, in a similar position. <laughs> well, uh, I will say one of one of the sort of side benefits of having those crushing single dice crits was that I also got to steal primacy from you. Oh yeah, yep. So the first <laughs> the first crit defense uh, uh, like reinforced his position so well that it was able to um, allow him to spend his activation moving a skink uh, onto a third objective, right? Because. Uh, so that got him his inspiration. It's like, dang it. Okay. Well, uh, again, I've got the backup plan. I come in with the backup plan. Tooth Dagger misses and goes to him. And he's like, yeah. So I'm actually going to spend my activation going on to a fourth objective. And I'm yeah. Just like, oh, that hurts. Okay. Uh, this primacy, that's that's yours. Okay. Okay. Take primacy. And what I is that? At, and I think at that point, you didn't have another activation, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. it was like I stole the one glory uh, in a in a move that was in no way like a well-played maneuver on, on my part. It was just luck. But still, it's like, oh, just backbreaking. <laughs> Any, anything to, to add to that game since uh, it was shared between the two of us before I move on? Oh, I, I think the only thing that I felt good about after having gotten to play the match, because this was back-to-back headcracker matchups for me across mm. the two days. And I was just like, man, I know I can play better against them than I showed the day before, and I kind of wanted to have that opportunity again, but maybe not the first game, but I sort of knew that that was probably what it was going to be. So I was just thinking like all night about what what do I need to do, and, and I feel like I used... I was, I was much more patient and much more... Uh, intentional about my positioning to try and stop uh, Wallop and Toofdaga from having easy charges. And I don't know if that was felt by you, but I feel like it worked out pretty well. It, it felt like there was times where they were not in position to make charges. And I was like, okay, I think this is the game plan. I think this is what I need to do until I can like get, get everything up and running. Um, and obviously it worked out. I don't, and I mean, I guess you can let me know if you felt that or not, but it, it felt good. Oh, it was felt. It was felt. <laughs> okay. Um, and at this point I was also still thinking there was a chance that I'd be facing Amon again. So I was like, okay, I can use this. This is practice. Like I, I have to be ready. Um, but uh, at, we'll, we'll discuss later about whether or not that happened. How were your rounds six and seven? Yeah, so my round six was actually against Amon, and this was when we kind of realized that uh, even though we started the day off of like traditional seed 
uh, pairings in like a top eight cut. This is when we realized that the remaining two games will be played uh, Swiss style still, uh, making sure that we saw opponents that we hadn't seen throughout the event. Um, and uh, yeah, going into Aman had just started his day two, he had played against our Jazz uh, and her Black Powders Buccaneers. Yes. Yep. Um, so he, uh, he won the match versus Jazz, uh, and so he was kind of thinking that he was going to end up paired against uh, Phil again. I know I was, uh, before we saw the pairings, I was uh, telling, asking Phil, you know, would you rather face him next or potentially later? Do you want a, like a, a break between head crackers <laughs> or, or like do you want to roll like the mental split, mental space that you're currently in, you know, fighting them straight into the next round and like kind of take advantage of having that freshness. And he's like, yeah, but he's running Darien Delvers. You're running Fearsome Fortress. They're actually, they, they have extremely different feels the way that like you built and are what your game plans look like. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it sounded like uh, you would have preferred you know, not to go directly back to back into another head cracking matchup. Agreed. Um, so uh, uh, I end up uh, with the Swiss pairing into Amon here, and Amon is uh, one of the the like aforementioned um, like reputation precedes you side uh, sort of combatants. Like um, on my wish list of individuals to eventually pair up against in a tournament and compete against because. Uh, I know how uh, viable of an opponent they are. Um, Want to really have a chance to test yourself. Yeah. 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 Yep. Exactly. Um, and I was particularly excited to play Darien Delver's Headcracker uh, versus Fearsome Fortress. Um, and I think, uh, I don't think you can go wrong with a, a current plot locked. Um, nemesis deck so like not uh i i don't think beast bound assault is the answer uh is i suppose what i'm trying to yeah, say but the not. other <laughs> <laughs> the other three pro- plot options um are all great uh for head mad mob uh and darian delvers offers something i hadn't really thought about before um he wasn't running sudden demise uh, so like i i first heard Darian Delvers pairing and Sudden Demise is almost synonymous uh, with Darian Delvers for me. So I was like, oh, that's that's weird. Like, I wouldn't want to lean into, like, something that would prevent me from getting primacy off of it. Like, sure, like, that's a two-kill surge, but if it, you're using some sort of lethal or gambit to finish fighters off, then um, you're trading that two-glory surge for primacy and, you know, potentially... Um, your scoreability on all your other cards. Um, so I was thinking about it that way at first. Um, and I had actually voiced that out loud to Phil and he went, well, he's like, wouldn't um, with Darian Delvers, uh, wouldn't you in this case want to use the pings to like throw an enemy off going into your turn, like setting yourself up uh, all of where they thought they were safe and all of a sudden, you know, with the results of that ping damage, uh, they're within one shot range and you can get primacy off of it. I'm like, oh, snap. OK. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm slightly terrified um, because knowing that any one of my charges could result in quick roots uh, and then um, be followed up by a wallop for three damage uh, was something I was going to need to be mindful of when, when I did get to this pairing. Um, so here we are. Um, Aman and I are both excited to 
uh, face off against um, these different headcracker builds. And the f- between both games, I land one attack. Um, yeah. The, so that's, that's bad, right? Yeah, you know, I, I've heard they've said that you need to land some attacks when you're playing aggro. Yeah. So, um, despite that, um, so and and honestly, it, it was actually two attacks. It was just one attack at the end of the first game that literally didn't matter and was really spiteful. Like, <laughs> I needed to get over the line with Daco. He was my only remaining survivor, and I was like, "This could be a move. This could be a charge." And I'm like, "I'm pretty irritated. I haven't made any of my attacks. Let's make it a charge." Um, and on two swords and range three he's like yeah i can actually do that i'm like why uh um and um i'm actually gonna circle back to that because it was the wrong play um but uh the second game was the first time i actually landed a hit that that mattered um and even then i i wasn't able to follow up on it so i was never actually able to get a kill across both games um so that that kind of shows how rough um my uh side of the dice were lose i do lose in two um but the first game um i'm particularly proud of i represented myself well um uh afterwards aman actually paid me the compliment of saying that he felt that i outplayed him uh at every turn in that first game uh and that the dice just just went there for me because that first game uh actually came down to um I mentioned I was getting Daku across the line. Um, and at that point in time, I had um, a way to secure primacy. Oh, what was it? Um, that's going to bug me. Um, I think it, I think it must have been that I had brutal uh, primacy in my hand. Um, or brutal... brutal Reprising? Prim- primal brutality mm. there's there it is, there so, it is. So, so that's the the bread and butter um card that you'd never leave at home when you're playing mad mob it's the one that gives you the choice between either gaining the primacy or giving it up um to make an attack um and you 99 percent of the time are going to choose it for that first mode um to gain the primacy um but what i had was in my hand i had um oh yep okay here we go. Um, I actually wrote this down because I was so excited. Um, so I, I went first in round three, and using my fourth activation, I got my only surviving fighter, Daco, uh, who is vulnerable at this time, unfortunately, uh, just over the line into Amon's territory. So I'm within one of No Man's territory still here. Um, I considered holding on to uh, Primal Brutality in my hand until the end of the round, Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I was going to be hard to move, hard to kill, um, because I'm doing a lot to try to swing this game in my favor, having not landed a single attack. Um, the glory has been really low for me. Um, I've thankfully, um, just through my knowledge of this matchup, been able to hold his glory really low as well. So going into the third match, we were actually both only at four total glory. Um, going into what? round three. Yeah. <laughs> and neither of us had gotten the primacy once. So neither of us had inspired. Uh, well, wait, wait. Sorry. So, um, so you only had Daco left. So he had only scored one card and the other three glory 
of the total four was a card. So going into the final round, I had more than Daco alive. I had oh. Headcrack and Daco. Um, but before this, when he'd gotten kills, he hadn't. So I think he actually ended up getting the primacy once. Yes, uh, off of one of the kills. But one of the other kills, he'd actually finished off with Daco. Um, for He didn't want to risk his leader in a particular situation. Um, uh, so he was trying to figure out which one to do the range three attack with and decided ultimately from a positioning standpoint to use Daco instead, but that doesn't award him the primacy. Um, uh, so we went really primacy light. I definitely didn't have it at all um, before round three and he had it just the once. Um, and we were still only at four kills each. At this point in time, he'd actually mentioned to me uh, how frustrating it was to score Green Fury. Uh, Green Fury is a card, it's a surge, scores instantly after a successful attack made by a wounded fighter. Uh, a, a friendly wounded fighter. Uh, so the he, frustration he couldn't there, score it because he couldn't land, or you uh, couldn't I, land. Because I couldn't land, right? Well, for some reason, due to that banter, I thought he had discarded it uh, during like the second round of holding it because he had it since the beginning. Um, but it turns out he held it to the end, which is where my mistake in running Daco over in a charge fashion uh, mm. comes into play. Is if I had been paying attention to obviously that banter uh, or even just, uh, and this is my first time with the deck, so I don't know if he's got Green Fury built in or not. I would assume so. Uh, and I should just do a move here instead of a spiteful charge. Um, I actually end up giving him the ability to score Green Fury. Um, but uh, so I pull Daco just over the line. I'm considering holding on to Primal Brutality to just try to deny him having Primacy, but I, that's not going to move the game in my favor. Uh, so what I do instead is I play it, grabbing the Primacy. Uh, I play Spirit of the Beast, which is an awesome card. It's the only way I'm going to be able to inspire here because Headcrack is uh, at this point dead. Um, uh, it's going to give me Spirit of the... or Sorry, it's going to inspire my fighter immediately because I've got the Primacy, and that's one of the things that Spirit of the Beast does. And while I have the Primacy, it's going to um, keep him in uh, on guard. Um, and then I throw it on Walking Wall on him. In my hand, I have uh, Conqueror's Domain, Great Hunters, and Bring It On. Um, so mm. Conqueror's Domain uh, is going to score here off a walking wall because I'm on guard. So I, even if he like ties me, he's not going to be able to drive me out of this position. Um, great Hunters, uh, I need to stay again over the line into his territory. So I need to not be driven back. Um, as long as all my surviving fighters are over there and I've got the primacy token, I've got these three points. So there's four. And I've also got Bring It On in my hand, which is a surge uh, that says be charged and survive the charge. He's got one activation left. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, even if he has Green Fury, I need him to miss. So I need Green Fury not to score because I need this to miss. Well, uh, he comes in with Head Cracker, uh, an inspired Head Cracker, and throws three dice looking for swords on me, uh, gets a crit hit. I don't even get a chance to defend with the reroll uh, or my on guard status because I've only got the one defense. Um, and and that's that's the game right there. Oof. But had it not been, uh, we we counted it out even with my Green Fury mistake, you know, charging in 
uh, well, I suppose, so Green Fury, again, wouldn't, if I survive this, it doesn't score. Um, so if I survive, I actually take that game. And I take it without ever landing a successful attack outside of that spite attack at the very end. I take it without um, felling any you know enemy fighters. So um, even though it was a loss, uh, it, it was such a good game. I mean, I've definitely spent the most amount of airtime I've talked about a game so far mm-hmm. on uh, on this particular moment because uh we we took a break uh real quick afterwards um uh to go get like a drink and stuff like that and we were talking about that um even after the second game then where i continue to not (laughs) roll successes um he he uh bought me a drink uh at the bar afterwards to just uh, lament my dice and 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 told me again that um that compliment that he actually felt i outplayed him that first game so that'll that'll stick in mind for uh, a long time it, it i was really happy with that so i am very disappointed to say then that that second game i wasn't able to um like bring bring that sort of level of competition i felt like as i was trying to set things up um his he was able to come in with a counter punch uh, and each of those attacks uh, were landing um, successfully uh, and perfectly, like, you know, having a quick roots to set it up, coming in with a wall to take him down, um, things like that. So I was losing fighters uh, so quickly uh, that I was down and out before the end of round two there. Um, there was a point where, yeah, there was a point where I ran head cracker into wallop and tooth dagger because they were next to a cover feature token and i needed to like i needed to make something happen because uh my initial like hand had blocked out on scoring and i'm down to just him and daco um uh and i remember running in there into that position you know adjacent to both of his like strongest fighters uh he's like you're wild and i'm just thinking internally like i'm (laughs) desperate like (laughs) i don't have anything working for me this particular game um but looking back uh one uh one mistake because i thought about these games a a lot um so what i should have done is after playing the deck for the first time i had a good read on it to understand that the focus of his daring delvers deck was to invade um like the exploration uh, scoring doesn't work unless he invades, um, and like he's running them hyper aggressive, trying to ping you down uh, to set up uh, taking a fighter down uh, and getting primacy off of it. So he needs to come to me, uh, and that's the beatdown. Um, and I didn't recognize that well enough into the second game. I actually had choice. Uh, for the second game on if I could do boards or tokens. And I picked tokens and handed him a board. Um, and I shouldn't have done that. Uh, what I should have done is I should have long boarded and uh, tried to out passive score him. Um, but I didn't think about that uh, until until after the match when I'm you're sure you were thinking playing them all the, back. I'm sure you were thinking that the dice had to even out. <laughs> Well, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you would hope, but uh, as many of Amon's opponents noticed in day two, dice were just not going to work uh, for whatever reason. Well, and, it's because he uh, brought the banana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the yeah. TO at some point was like, okay, whose is this? There's been this banana just moving around the table. And Amon's like, I brought it as an offering to the dice gods. <laughs> it yep. worked wonders. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, without further ado, my third game. And uh, I had to play Brian. Um, so second, yeah, Adepticon, <laughs> second Adepticon in a row. Uh, we're, we're playing each other on day two, and we're starting a little bit of a ballot mallet uh, curse here. Battle mallet so, curse. Oh, what did I say? Ballot mallet. Yep. Ba- ballet mallet. <laughs> That's actually mallet. awesome. <laughs> ballet mallet. <laughs> that would have been a that would have been a uh, better name for the arena is uh, ballet melee. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Brian brought the aforementioned Narl Spirit Pack and uh, the the reference to the curse being that um, Jason and Jared of the Battle Mallet are practice partners. Uh, they're their most common practice partner and um, Jared will uh, beat Jason majority of the time according to them in practice. But then at a tournament, Jason is the one who always takes down Jared uh, when they meet up in the in the in the bracket, uh, except for uh, their last tournament that they went to. The curse finally broke. So Nova. I think after that curse broke, it went into the ether and was like <laughs> transmuted to you. Brian and Skyler played each other last year. Let's do this again. Yeah. Um, last year, your Mad Mob and my Dread Pageant and Harrow Deep. It was like I was like. We were, we had a lot of good matches, uh, but I was like, I think it's 60-40 in Skyler's favor, most matches, who wins. And then, uh, yeah, Depticon, it was a complete just, uh, I had your number and I took your lunch money. Oh, you absolutely destroyed me. Um, this year, too. Oh, uh, yeah, this year, too. And, and on top of that, both adepticons you have a last minute card swap suggestion that i'm like you know what that's actually a good call and i swap that in there and you're like yeah it's gonna work great against everybody (laughs) not against nobody but skylar wow (laughs) last year it was the hadzu bomb i put screaming demise on him and then shared pain to save somebody else to kill hadzu and throw a charge token on another one of skylar's fighters i wasn't able to use it to that great of an effect uh i did use it in some forms uh against my opponents but it worked exactly as skylar suggested against skylar (laughs) And then this year, he just made a good uh, upgrade uh, swap of the Envenomed Spurs um, to give my uh, leader a reactionary attack. Whether it be the card draws or just my fighter being dead, I wasn't able to use it to much effect throughout the event, or it didn't wind up with a first hit, second hit, uh, both successful. But thank you, Skylar, for... uh, demonstrating why you suggested it (laughs) i can't wait to find out what i suggest to hurt me with next year (laughs) man maybe you should just stop suggesting things to him he's just gonna twist the knife on you like that oh uh speaking of great card uh combos by the way uh screaming denies made me think of this uh 
so one particular moment I was proud about uh, across the whole tournament, and this this was actually in the game with Amon, the first one. Uh, he, um, I ended up knocking one of his fighters away uh, from a um, vul- vulnerable, or at least already damaged, like within kill range. I don't, I don't think he was already at one health, but like a two damage uh, on my tooth dagger situation. Uh, like kicked his wallop uh, away uh, during, I think round two, uh, where like he hadn't charged yet and could definitely still get the attack down. And so he ends up using uh, their uh, group push uh, to big stomp uh, to push back into that position. And I was hoping that would happen uh, because I had redeploy in my hand and I was trying to bait out uh, a push to um, like to see, to see if he had uh, they've, they've got a few great uh, push cards um, to big stomp being one of them. And uh, the one that lets you trade primacy for a push of three or just use the card for a push of one uh, i can't remember the name at the top of my head but anyways was hoping to to bait one of those pushes out because uh, i thought that was going to be like his next best um use of an action would be to try to get that free attack against tooth tag again sure enough he pushed in and i was able to use redeploy uh off of that feature token and just hide uh for uh, a push of four away on the back line um in such a way to where uh, he was going to have to run uh, like through somebody. Uh, so he wasn't going to be able to make it uh, with a single charge. So like straight out of dodge um, was really, uh, really happy with that play. Very nice. Um, so your game four was against me. Um, well, do game, we three, hold... game three on that day. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um yeah, why don't so, you why, why don't you regale us? I've described uh, the game against Phil. Yep. How'd this one go? So, shall I uh, start from the beginning of my day, or should I just end off with Skyler's end? Let's let's start with my end. Okay. My demise. <laughs> well, uh, first game, I think you longboarded me. Was that I game one or was did that, and we were did. St- we were sitting next to Jazz, so I made sure to uh, give her a nod, wink, and a smile and thank her for uh, <laughs> <laughs> always keeping Longboard in the back of everyone's head. Oh, yeah. And uh, that that was that did stifle some of my end phase, but, man, was I... Uh, I had your number, and I was taking your lunch money again. I just started walloping on you. Um, I think I trapped... <laughs> I, I ended up killing Toofdaga in round one and then started off round two with trapped throwing a javelin into uh or no this was still round one yeah so i killed tooth dagger and then i killed wallop by throwing my uh lupin's javelin to pin him against the wall while he was trapped and so round two you were already down two fighters you you did score in the end phase because i was like oh yeah it would have been smarter to actually push Headcracker off that objective you seemed so intent on holding but i never claimed to be outsmarting people just out killing them today <laughs> so uh but yeah after having wallop and tooth dagger dead in round one uh round two just uh ended up with tabling and then we went on to game two uh and 
Yeah, that was. Uh, I think game one was sixteen to eight, and then game two was similar. Uh, I had the board choice, so I flushed it up against you, and um, so we had. I ended up tabling you there, nineteen to seven. That one felt uh, more egregious because there was one big highlight moment where, again, start around two, he's like, "Oh." Uh, you won the roll off and you're like, do I go first or do I uh, have Brian go first? And you're like, I'm probably taking it. And I'm once again, similar to Ripa's, I was staring at plus one dice, plus one damage in my hand and beast Kira on the board. I was just like, go ahead, take the first activation. Go ahead. Unless (laughs) unless he, unless he guns hard for Kira. Like, I don't think he was doing a three damage attack anywhere. So Kira was pretty safe because him going first, he wasn't going to be able to throw an extra damage on Kira. So I was like, I, I got this. And so he went first. He charged Wallop. He had Sarakar was one hex away from Daco and Tufdaga, who were adjacent. And then Wallop charged in to smack Sarakar, creating a three-fighter chain with uh, Daco and Tufdaga. So then Sarakar got hit, pushed away. And I just like, all right. Upgrade, upgrade. And you're like, oh, it's like, yup. So she comes swinging in for two damage with Grievous with an extra dice for, so five dice swords, two damage with Grievous. And she proceeds to, how did you put it? Yes. Uh, You, (laughs) you're dealing three damage uh would you like to push uh yes. dealing three damage would you like to push yes <laughs> and looks like you're dealing three damage would you like to push yes <laughs> it was massive um Brutal. it was also wild dice because um like they had been pretty um average i'd say throughout the day or throughout the tournament and then this big glorious attack I just wanted that lunch money. So I mean, you were throwing roll, five dice. Yeah. Each, yeah. Right. So, but, but it, it was but explosive. It was, with swords, no support. You had full support. And so first roll was two crits, two swords. And uh, you only saved Wallop because he was a large fighter. And I had already caused two damage to him. You only saved him because of war paint word. Yeah. It was like... that was uh that was the guy i was really gunning for because i even put cleave on that one or was it ensnare like i had used uh determined brutality on top of that so it was just even more but yeah warpoint ward Ward saved him there so i wasn't able to score any cards off this Um, so this uh in my defense was the final match of a two-day tournament (laughs) (laughs) yeah this round didn't like this this instant you know your activation went nowhere near what i expected it to be i i forgot about scything it hadn't come up like so against gerard i was particularly mindful of it and made sure that there were no opportunities for it Mm. um or she was dead one of the two super mindful of it uh at this point up against you totally forgot yeah, uh, and I, I had was so scared of Wallop dying because he was uh he was in the charge distance of Goral, and he was a large fighter. He's and he'd in already charge distance of all four of my fighters at this point. Right. 
right uh but goral was the one particularly on my mind because yeah. three damage output right uh i'm like man i've already got two damage on him um and like he's gonna be a large fighter kill he's gonna be worth two i haven't dealt damage to you at this point and i really need to so i want to charge him in and try to get that three damage down with cleave um which well uh, Cleave didn't end up mattering against uh, Sarkar there, but uh, wanted to get some damage down before he dies, and that's all I'm thinking about. And so I charge mm-hmm. him in to the position that you know wasn't offering you support for my attack, and I was like, "All right, I got some damage down on him. I'm going to kick him away so he can't support." Perfect. And then, you know, pass on power over to you. And you're like, uh, upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Upgrade, upgrade, de- uh, determined brutality. And uh, yeah, so, and Kira just went off. Like, she lives for these moments. And I got two of them during this tournament. Uh, but this time she was <laughs> made for this. Uh, she rolled, like I said, against Wallop two crits two swords and then two crits and then two crits it was like jesus chill out Uh, (laughs) so that was how round two started and then it was just picking them off um but yeah that was pretty savage uh you made sure to (laughs) kill kira so that i didn't get any extra opportunities but um that's when sarakar's envenomed spurs was able to run in and secure kills with a staff attack and a range one attack. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that was the end of day two for me and Skylar's career. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Hold on. End of the career. Hold on. I, I would like to at least point out that if you're going to lose all of your games on day two, I you thought know, that we'd spoil no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> no we'll, spoilers. We'll get there. We'll all get right. there. <laughs> all right. But I, I, I made the mad mob. I can t- take, I created the mad mob. I can take them out of this world too. <laughs> I, I, I painted them. So maybe that's the secret sauce is you got to paint your own minis and then I'm not going to take Ooh. your lunch at Adepticon. Mm. Or I'd love to see what a game at Adepticon looks like with skates. <laughs> or <laughs> uh, just offer to paint your opponent's warband. Oh. Right? It's okay. Like, oh, oh uh, that one's going to be a hard one. What are they playing lately? Oh, unpainted. Mm. Unpainted. Let me let me help you with that. Could really beat the banana out of that. Like, <laughs> All right, so uh, my game uh, day two first matchup was I was back against uh, Jesse P with his Rippas. Uh, so um, <laughs> as as we got matched up, I was like, "Well, uh, balance probability after the first pairing says that you bite my butt," and he's like, "One could hope." It was a really fun match. We were uh, <laughs> it was a whole lot of like. Come on, sixes! Like, like some big uh, <laughs> casino energy, uh, but the it, it was fun because it was the dice were a bit more sporting, and we had a lot more uh, back and forth. But uh, ultimately, it did go both games in my favor. Um, there was quite a few times where he was trying to uh, 
get a kill with the goblin attack and a separate kill with the dog bite. And so there was a lot of times where he's like, do I be greedy or do I be safe and double up those attacks on one fighter to secure the kill? Or do I uh, split them to go greedy and try and kill two fighters and really like swing the game? I was like, you know, uh, without like giving away what I totally like, what he should do and tell him exactly. But it was like, I, I think you should play it safe and stack on one fighter, but I, I fear you going greedy and splitting your text. He's like, why would you say that? I don't, now I'm going to be greedy. <laughs> I was like, no, I think you should stack on one fighter. I don't want to say which, but you know, uh, I fear him being greedy and he started being, and, these two games he was being safe and it was working off much better for him so as with 40k as with aos don't split your attacks stack up secure and get the um get score do, do the safe attack to score the cards in your hands don't try and be greedy and swing the game in one moment because it could ultimately swing the game in the other way for your opponent um, yeah good advice so but uh Game against Rippa's second verse, same as the first, uh, ended up taking those both. Um, but they were they were better than our first match. Um, and then my game two was against Jimmy Molini. Uh, this was a faded match. He had just come from his match, I believe, against Amon. Or was is this day one was his match? Uh, no, he, he played... I don't remember who he played first, but he, he played he him on, on day one. one. Ah, okay. Um, but it was, so we, we, we first met and faced off last year at Adepticon game match or pairing, whatever you want to call it. And pairing nine of the tournament, the final matchup, and we were both burnt out. Uh, and it was an incredible match. I'll never forget that. It was great, and it was awesome meeting him. So we come back here, and he's fight. He's playing Storm of Celestis. I'm playing Gnarl Spirit, and I was just like, "All right, here we go." And he ended up uh, just outscoring me. I couldn't. I couldn't uh, really land meaningful attacks. I could get attacks off, but not where it mattered. He tanked up Celestis into this massive defensive tank and he denied any other targets for me uh, so it was like he he had it pretty well in hand and he's just like i'm sorry man i wish the dice were better i'm sorry i was like don't give me your pity i've still got two more <laughs> games <laughs> like screw you i was like you remember how last year went because last year he beat beat the pants off me or he beat me narrowly in game one and then we went to game two and we i i ended up turning it on him and we're like, oh, crap, we got to play a third game. Like, my brain's fried. How can I? <laughs> um, so I was like, I still got two games. You shut up. Don't give me your pity. Uh, <laughs> and then game two was worse. And it was just like. <laughs> <laughs> game two, he, he longboarded me. And uh, uh, I he was just picking off every fighter. And I'm like, you're leaving Goral alive to pity me. Like you're giving me that three, three damage attack because like I can just, cause I put a uh, Wiley Hunter on him, which is a reaction to upgrade reaction to make a push after uh, a attack action. So I could just go hammer time like Mario and just like bop and move over, bop, move over and 
you know, just uh, go down the chain because at one point he was behind enemy lines facing the rear of the Celestis as the Celestis are just firing off grenade launchers at the rest of my guys. And I'm just <laughs> ready to go to town with the hammer. And I was like, you keep not targeting Goral. It seems like you're giving me an opportunity and I despise this pity. <laughs> and Goral just would not hit two hammers. Would not <laughs> two. I gave him an upgrade to give him plus one dice would not hit three hammers would not hit like, what is happening? <laughs> he's just like, I'm so sorry, man. Reroll that. I was like, no, no, I will not reroll that out of pity. <laughs> so he, he played really well. And I was just like, yeah, it's weird, man. <laughs> like, yeah, just nice. the dice can do that. And, uh, aggro war bands depend on those dice for scoring. And his, he, Storm of Celestis have some of those amazing hold objective cards like Surge 2 for holding 2. Like, cannot sleep on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jimmy and I are one and one for Adepticon matchups. So, yeah. Well, maybe I'll just you'll have, have to get back in Nova. I'll just have to hunt them down. <laughs> uh, so, that wraps your day two because we started with your game three, right? Yeah, so day two, by the end of it, uh, like we were trying to make sense of how the pairings worked. We weren't really sure how it was in the, in the, as it's going, you don't know how the pair ups are actually working until you see more of them, right? So right. Um, I didn't know how I was ranked. I didn't know what was like, you guys were telling me I was doing really good. And I'm like, I, I never conceived myself as like podiuming. So I'm like, I'm just not thinking about that. I'm just here to have a great time and fight Jimmy and take Tyler's <laughs> lunch money. <laughs> as battle well, melt would say, I'm in your pocket now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Got you in my pocket. We've right. heard Skylar. We've heard Brian. Uh, I Bill. suppose that means it's time for me to bring it home. Uh, so as we discussed, I had to start the day with Skylar and bumped off Skylar from day two. Um, so and and we already discussed as well that I thought after winning that match, I was like, oh, man. All right. Back to Amon. Here we go. That's probably going to be it. And then I was paired into Damien S, uh, Canadian Damien Uh who is really cool opponent, really great guy, had some really awesome uh, sort of kit to go along with his Mournflight. He was running Daring Delver's Mournflight Warband where he had like, uh, I think it was just a holder for his dice, but maybe it was for his whole Warband, but it like looked like a, an old book and it had like yeah. the broken glass from Shadespire and then he had these like ghostly tokens to use as, as activation counters and it was like all right all right this person somebody who really loves their mourn flight and like yeah. having I played something about something similar off of etsy once and it wasn't a directly themed book but they did have uh off-brand grand alliance uh symbols on them but it was incredible book and totally on brand yeah yeah so so kudos if you're listening damien really great job um and uh so so i'm like okay mourn flight mourn flight's got lots of passive stuff holding objectives can can come back with some really nice counter punch i've got to be really careful about like giving him too many attacks um so i i set up my positioning such that i should be able to like have easy jumps across the line without putting too many fighters at risk and i was just kind of hoping that 
you know, my passive can outdo his passive because I know that um, the Mournflight have a lot of really strong passive glory. And so we sort of start things off. I've got some nice easy surges. I know that I scored Pathfinders right away in, I don't remember which which uh, game it was, but it was either either game. It was in one of my opening hands. And the other one I had... Um, uh, stealthy advance which honest to god that card has the worst name possible because it's never (laughs) stealthy at all you're charging somebody into enemy territory it's not sneaky um but but so i'm like setting up i've got some seed glory i'm like okay now if i can just sort of weather the storm here i should be able to get everything rolling and uh for folks who haven't played a lot against mournflight they actually don't start all that accurate a lot of their fighters are on two fury to start so I was like, I think we've got a pretty decent chance. And game one, that was definitely the case. Um, he had three or four complete whiff attacks from his leader. And like, I was putting one or two skinks into bad positions because I had to to score objectives. And so I was like, okay, I'll take the glory and then maybe he'll get a kill, but I've at least scored my surges. And unfortunately for him, in this game one, he just couldn't get anything going with the dice. I just sort of run away with it in game two. It's much closer. Um, we're kind of going back and forth, um, but clack in this game and um, shout out to sleek's bull because he had helped sort of be a sounding board for some of the last choices for what cards to use in my deck. And, and he really was pushing for me to include um, supreme predator which is a clack truck restricted upgrade and i was kind of hesitant to take it because it was like what if clack truck's dead what if you get it and in you don't have a good situation to be using clack truck it's like is this really worth it and i ended up taking it after practicing with it on the wednesday night tournament so i used that wednesday night tournament which shout out to david uh. for suggesting that i do this i used the wednesday night tournament as a testing ground for some of these uh, decision point cards for Saturday. Um, and so I ended up in this second game being able to get Heaven Blessed Weapon, which gives Clack Truck plus one dice and knockback, and Supreme Predator, which gives him a reroll, so that he was rolling three smash, three damage with a reroll. And he just started tearing through ghosts. And it was just kind of like, you know, I'm not normally the beatdown, but when I need <laughs> it, Sometimes clack truck can come through for you. Um, normally my clack truck is snake bitten as all get out and he'll land like one attack a game and I'll just be like, ah, oh, that's how it goes. But this game, he was just landing everything and it was just like crit after crit and he was just doing so much damage. And I was like, well, I guess that's how it goes sometimes. Um, but we both scored a decent amount of glory in that game. So it was like a nice fun back and forth. Um, I felt like a uh, really good showing um, despite the fact that uh, things were not going in Damien's favor. And then to end things off here, I did get paired in Jimmy um, kind of figured that that would be the case after that round six, just looking at who was left for me to face and the records. And uh, so uh, an interesting matchup where you have two hold objective war bands in a tournament where we kind of expected that the whole field was going to be aggro. So I didn't, I didn't actually expect to see any other whole objective war bands. So I wasn't quite sure what to uh, think going into this, except that I'd been talking to Gerard 
a little bit earlier and was we were sort of talking through like what are the advantages and disadvantages of facing another whole objective warband and we we were both talking up um wanshi's device a lot which is this push card that uh the lizards have if you haven't faced them and it it's either a distraction so you can just push one enemy fighter one hex you just get to choose or it has the second mode where you can tell your opponent all right you get to choose where you push your fighters but you have to push three of your fighters the first <laughs> when i first played this i was just like i figured oh you know jimmy's you know got lots of experience he's a great player he's gonna know this card so he's on three objectives and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to use the second mode. You have to push three of your fighters. And he's like, wait, what? I've got to push three of my fighters? <laughs> yeah, it's massive. <laughs> I was like, yep, you've got you to gotta push three of them. Um, so, so it worked out fairly well for him. In did, the he, sense. did he have a fourth fighter? Was the dog still alive he, at that yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't hardly do anything in game one um to kill any of his fighters they were very tanky he was able to inspire quickly and um so he was like well positioned and sort of this like i'm gonna hold back and like make you come to me situation yeah and since he was holding all the objectives in his territory i couldn't inspire and i couldn't score a lot of my glory so i was just like well i'm gonna do what i can but hopefully i can use this to disrupt him he played it very well where he was able to shuffle a fighter um from a cover hex onto an objective and then shuffle um, the fighter that was on an objective off and then move the bird dog on. And I forgot oh. that Sleek can hold objectives. Yeah, him and Riptooth, rare breed. Yeah. So I was like, oh, so he's still holding more objectives than me. So I couldn't score the stuff in my hand. Um, wow. So game one, Jimmy pretty handily beat me down. I only scored like eight glory or something. I was... It was not very good. Um, and it was like, okay, uh, I gotta, I know I gotta bounce back from this. This is last round of the day, um, last round of the tournament. Gotta have a good showing. Uh, round two, you know, I had some better cards, played a little bit smarter because I was like, okay, I now to stay out of range of those, you know, I can't just, I can't just throw my skinks in hoping to score surges. I've got to have a better plan. And um, so I like, I moved up Clacktrock first to just try and, you know, use him as sort of a distraction, get in there and try and be disruptive and then slowly pick up glory as we went. And I was behind pretty much the entire game. And I was like, I just got to keep pushing and I just got to keep pushing. And I was like discarding a whole bunch of my end phase cards because I couldn't score them because of the positioning that his warband was using. And I was like, if I can get enough surges, I can end the game with uh the great plan and i can have a big enough glory surge at the end to maybe be able to pull it off and i did manage to get it with one of those big seven glory end phases and i pulled ahead by like just a couple points so i managed to win game two and i'm like okay feeling good force game three and then we did not have a good match in game three in well it was a good match but it was like i had all the luck i had the perfect work hard hand I was able to teleport into his backfield to clog up a um, an objective. I had uh, cards to be able to push him off of objectives. I had stuff to get my exploration count up so that I could score Pathfinders in round one without hardly having to do anything. And it was just like, oh man, that's all going so great for you. I got inspired right away. 
and I've got Autopodle as the one who's camping in his territory because I'm like, I'm three dodge, I'm on guard. He's not going to be able to shift me very without getting super lucky. And so then I'm like, I'm pretty well set. I can kind of just start to try and lock him down with Autopodle. So I start rolling a lot of these Autopodle attacks. At the end of round two, I'm like, okay, I get the crit, get the hit, do two damage. So I start off round three the same way. Get another crit. Do it again. Get another crit. And it ends up I get five attacks in a row with Autopodle to go off, doing a total of ten damage. What? And uh, Sometimes you end, could just be a turret. You just kind of end the game on sort of like almost like this, this sad note where it's like everything had been this like heady back and forth of like having to claw my way back to the game three and then game three was just this like explosion of crits and it just blew everything out and it was like it didn't matter that he had the right positioning or that he had better defense stats or anything because it was just like eh, he has crits with a cleave and snare attack and it's just like oh man um i mean kudos to jimmy played an extremely good game i thought it was a really really good match but it was not not the way that I think either of us would have wanted it to end because um, it just felt like there was nothing he could do. And, uh, you know, it kind of brings it full circle where where there's this feeling of like, hey, uh, dice are going to dice. And the more you rely on them, um, you know, sometimes there's that great risk. So, so I did manage to win all three of my day two uh, matches, which felt pretty great. And that put us into a situation where we had to do sort of the math of figuring out, okay, this tournament points scoring system, who's, who's in what position we know Amon's first because he didn't lose a single game. And then it was like, okay, do the quick figuring. And it's like, Oh, uh, I'm second and Brian's third. Just just barely edged out for fourth Jimmy. Um, So felt pretty great. Uh, they made a change from using shade glass trophies to the regular uh, Warhammer trophies this year. So we have the hammer trophies that they gave out. Um, so for, the- for those that may see like for uh, 40K, they have a like it's a cir- cylinder base plinth and then a, a gauntlet coming up out of it with a upraised chain sword for 40K and a hammer like uh uh, Stormcast hammer for uh, yeah. Age of Sigmar. It's the Liberator hammers. Ah, uh, yeah, that's um, it. So pretty cool. They gave out a bunch of prize support to everybody to just say like, "Here's a bunch of Underworld stuff. Like, oh, take anything you don't have, and if you you know already have it, take it back home so you can like give it out as prize support to your local leagues or your well, local tournament." And they cool with the prize support is they started from eighth place up. Uh, yeah, so they, they got their first picks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so an awesome tournament. Everyone played extremely well. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about all these games and I think, uh, you know, we started out by saying we, we led with what our expectations were, what we're, what we were feeling about the meta. And I, I think it's pretty clear, um, as we came out of all these games where it's like, yes, aggro is strong, but across a whole tournament and across, you know, best of three matches, I think, I think I can feel fairly safe in, in saying for the group here that 
you know, despite the strengths of aggro, there's such risk with aggro Mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, certain, certain players ended up dying on their dice and it was like, you know, you played the game, right. But you ended up losing because you couldn't roll hits or whatever. Yeah, it's um, it's one of the defining features of Narwood. I mean, I think you and Jimmy were uh, great at countering my thesis here, but Narwood's been had a clear bent towards aggro this whole season, very and much so. that has led to a lot of our, my games, in my experience, being dice dependent. And if one person's dice are cold, then it can be very one sided. So. Uh, sometimes it is the dice are sporting and it's a uh, fun back and forth. Uh, but I had those games in the tournament as well. Um, yeah. But other games can be a total blowout, and it's you can't you can't do anything about the dice. Um, yeah. And and so uh, you know I don't want to spend a, a whole bunch of time belaboring like what do we think is going to come next because some tinfoil hatting there a little bit, but I feel like coming out of this tournament, I actually feel like the nemesis uh, landscape is maybe, you know, well, aggro is strong. If you lean too heavily on it, you can be punished for it. And so it's like, you have to find those flex options to be able to score without dice so that you can stay in those games when you don't have the dice working in your favor. Um, to your point, I think Jimmy and I both played really heavily into hold. Um, Davey was playing a very flexy uh, Dakun and crew on Wednesday night, and he did exceptionally well with them. Um, I mean, that was that was the practice match that almost broke me from playing <laughs> uh, my Starblood. Um, so I, I'm curious to see if people maybe adjust at least the people who are at this tournament, maybe other folks listening to this, if they will think like, oh, maybe I shouldn't just run aggro. Maybe Tooth and Claw isn't always the best choice. Well, I, I definitely did lean into that thought. Like I was just like, well, I'm just going to embrace the aggro. I'm going to go with the most aggro warband and the most aggro uh, uh, rival deck to pair with yeah. it. And it did well. Um, but it with leaning so heavily into the dice, it could have just as easily been Gerard, uh, who is also a GSP player, uh, or any other aggro combo. Like the Rippas are always a contender in that case. Yeah. If if they go hot, Rippas having the dog bite kind of is one of those ways that you can mitigate the dice is because they have a follow-up attack every time. Um, Absolutely. Especially in championship with like great strength, it can really stack. Um, so sometimes, you know, just leaning aggro can, you're kind of like leaning into the dice and just come on dice, bring a banana. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but the, uh, yeah, no, I was thrilled actually to see you and Jimmy do well with the hold objectives and countering, you know, just throwing it right back in my face that like, I, like I said, I embrace the gnarlism, you know, this is what it is and this is how gnarlwood is. Um, and old objective still went very strong. You got to have all the cards, like you got to have the, the, the right hold objective deck with a strong enough card pool, uh, can still prove me wrong. And, uh, despite the meta, uh, pull it out. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for what comes next. Uh, I don't know if Skyler has some thoughts here. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I thought the, the field was more varied um, than I expected, at least in champion yeah. selection. Um, like super pleasantly surprised that there was only ever, you know, at most three of a war band, um, which, you know, meant that there was a significant showing um, in, in variety there. Um, only the two hold war bands that I'm aware of, and they were, you know, counter meta picks and, or like essentially choosing to do, uh, their own, like their own thing, regardless of the fact that the meta is bringing them aggro. I don't necessarily know, or I, I don't think I'd say that it was counter to an aggro play style per se, well, but it was, it was in despite of an aggro play style. Yeah. And, it's like when, when the universal card pool and the plots all favor aggro, they're not offering much support for the hold objective types. So exactly with, with star blood and storm of Celestis, they both have strong enough hold objective decks on their own within their faction that they could stand, uh, in a in a world without much support from the universal pool exactly, exactly. um well uh one thing i was gonna say earlier <laughs> so i'll bring it back to this was that if you're gonna lose all three games uh on the second day uh lose them to the people that podium yeah yeah you, you had to do it against second place then first place and then third place it's pretty <laughs> rough it's a solid uh, strat <laughs> it's the least my opponents could do yeah right you're gonna beat me at least take home some uh hardware right yeah absolutely that's a that's a really rough day too uh <laughs> gotta say uh, um, i was i was a little crushed that i couldn't take a single game uh from any of my opponents but uh brilliant opponents it wasn't uh i didn't feel that um Although the dice, like, um, at, at, at times felt they were against me, um, I still felt like the, the play was there. Like, I think really good Underworlds play uh, and performance, we'll, we'll say, like, performance in a competition like this uh, is a marriage of, like, really skillful play and uh, some good luck thrown in there. Yeah. yeah, good luck with not only the dice, but also the card draw order. Um, yep. You know, Absolutely. sometimes you can enter that flow state. I wouldn't say that I ever felt like I was in a flow state, but there was definitely with the cards and that can, uh, I, I feel like the card flow state tends to happen more in championship, but I definitely had good, uh, experience with my nemesis deck where, um, you know, it's nothing wrong with a card in your hand where it's like, normally this scores, but just dictated by my opponent and how things have gone you know it's not going to be scorable but as long as every card in your deck has a place feels good too agree yeah and i was definitely feeling that all through the tournament that um you know despite these decks being much more limited than a championship deck things still flowed well on the whole and all of the games felt very competitive. Like oh, it yeah. was never, there was never like, Oh man, this deck is just so clunky. I can't believe, you know, this is how it's, you know, constructed. And well, I do have a preference for championship because I like the deck building. Um, Same. I, I found it to be a really competitive experience and it was really fun. And it felt like, you know, we're playing high level underworlds. 
despite Agreed. having these much smaller card pools for these decks. So um, I don't know if a- uh, you guys know better offhand, but like I was glad to see that I was the GSB with Tooth and Claw, but Gerard had uh, Daring Delvers. Mad Mob had two different decks. Um, yeah. Were the Hexbanes two different decks as well? Uh, I be- believe they were. Yeah. Um, I, I think so. I think there was a pretty good mix, and and honestly, I think that Tooth and Claw was the least represented deck. I think Daring Delvers and Fearsome Fortress were really yeah. common actually at this tournament, which maybe was partially due to the fact that they had come out more recently, and people were there was a number of new people, and then people who were trying not to just lean all the way into aggro, but. Um, you know, it was a good mix. And I, I know people were doing a whole bunch of different things and um, that bodes well, I think, for the future of other Nemesis tournaments. Um, I, I don't know yet what Nova is going to be formatted, but if I had to guess, it, is it, would Nemesis. Probably, it will be. Okay, so so yeah. Um, knowing how this one went, it gives me some better hope that like, hey, we can still have good tournaments even if it's Nemesis. Like, Oh yeah, it was absolutely a good tournament. Yeah. So to to quote Davey, and this is in regards to the Dice Heroes uh, charity tournament, um, he said, uh, in the heat of the game, away from deck building, Nemesis felt like plain old Underworlds to me. Yeah. yeah I echo that for sure. Agreed. Yeah. With all of the conversations uh, we had with many different people throughout the tournament, I don't think I ever discussed at all the comparison between nemesis and championship and preferences either way the whole tournament yeah so it was a nemesis tournament right so an audience um that is showing up for nemesis um but despite that um i was really excited to hear uh from many uh that nemesis was um the reason like the reason that they have uh, hope in like building the game uh, up mm-hmm. with their friends and in their circles, it's like, oh my gosh, it's so easy to get back into. Uh, so, and Nemesis is this um, accessibility push uh, above all else um, to get people playing this great game that we all enjoy. So hearing so many at the tournament say that that's what they were excited about. That's why they came to this tournament um, because they love this format um uh means it's working um i was really excited about it we know that there's been this big nemesis push and and there's i think maybe maybe rightly at first and maybe it's becoming less of an issue that you know from the ingrained community to be like whoa championship is like the competitive way to play this game why isn't it that that is continuing to be the through line of the game. And honestly, after, after a turnout like this for the two nemesis tournaments we had and the experience that I had in playing both of those tournaments, like there's no reason we can't have both. And I think that there's a, an appetite for being able to play these um, smaller deck builded um, tournaments where it's like, yeah, I don't need to think too hard about it. I can just kind of take the two things and smash them together and go play a tournament and have a really good time and then um and then for uh, you know folks like us we can still fine-tune a nemesis deck despite the smaller card pool and have a great time so 
I'm looking forward to having future events like Nova or LVO in next year or any of these larger tournaments in Canada. Uh, you know, Damien was telling me there's like three major tournaments in Canada that I didn't even know about. Um, yeah. Um, my opponent, Jesse was also from Alberta area and I okay. think, I, I think it's the Alberta classic or something. Yeah. I, yeah. I've heard of, of it. I have to look into it. And and so I'm I'm looking forward to all these future events where maybe we can have like a Nemesis Day and a championship and tournament. And a championship day. I'd love that so much. And try and have it where like we have this accessible tournament where like almost anybody could enter because they don't need to have a huge amount of experience with the game. And then have like, okay, now, you know, if you're if you like that, let's level it up. Let's let's see if like can what what can you come up with when you've got this larger card pool? Um, I think ultimately that maybe is where I would like to see things end up is where we can have the support for the two levels of uh, deck building in a single event. But um, regardless, like, like Skylar was saying, I'm, I'm happy to hear that people are coming back to the game. And if Nemesis is the thing that's doing that, then I'm all for it. And um, I'm super happy and would really love to see everybody who is here this year back for next year's Adepticon plus, you know, a handful of friends for each of them. So um, let's really blow it up next year. Yeah, yeah I'm, I've already set it out with uh, my wife and we're just going to be Adepticon every year. All, all Adepticon, so yeah, and until until something catastrophic happens that Adepticon <laughs> no longer continues, uh, my why would you to... put that into the world? Oh, come on, now it's not gonna <laughs> happen. But we've we have waxed poetic quite a bit here about this tournament. It was super fun, uh, as you can probably tell. We're we're already looking forward to the next one, and. Uh, you know, it, it's been a good time, but we should also probably wrap it up because we have a lot more to come in the future. We have, uh, you know, we're going to have another tournament locally scheduled fairly soon. We haven't gotten anything on the books yet, but we've been discussing it. And then we have to play our own trash fire tournament, the Sleeks Bowl Bowl, if you will. Um, so, you know, we've got we've got a whole lot of Underworlds coming up and uh Hopefully you all continue to join us for that journey. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm starting to get excited for this uh, Sleeks Bowl Bowl situation. Yep, I got a. So. I've thrown a card pool together, and I'm just filtering down to twelve, ten, and ten. But yeah, maybe, maybe I won't. Maybe I won't make it all the way to twelve, ten, and ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not. Maybe just you know roll out there with twenty two power cards 24 power cards go crazy lean into the madness yeah lean into the madness. yeah there's lots to lots to talk about with adapticon but i think we've talked enough absolutely we'll, we'll I still certainly wanna, i still want to talk later we'll still cover anything else later on uh any other we, final... we still got to talk about the next season next time oh man you sure do man but we yes, gotta have we'll... josh on for that we oh, do yeah. he's super excited magic we... We need Magic. Magic. <laughs> uh, any other final thoughts before we sign off here folks yeah I want to um, congratulate Aman on taking the tournament and I want to congratulate the two of you on podiuming as well uh, well thank good you job. 
Never thought I'd ha- I'd do it. Well, well done. Can't say that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So for future for future tournaments, I am retiring. Gnarl Spirit. Josh won't have to look at them ever again. Uh, fielded by me. <laughs> I I I don't like to double dip on something. I want to try something new afterwards. Like yeah. Dread Pageant is something. Like even if I had podiumed with uh, Dread Pageant, I would be hanging them up. So. Wow. Uh, on to That's the next one. Something. I I love them and I don't know. I'm I'm all <laughs> alight with uh excitement for whatever a uh Dread Pageant 2.0 might look like after seeing Weird Hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Can't talk about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> there is something satisfying with uh like uh grabbing uh, a victory with a warband like that, though, and and saying, "All right, you you're you've done it." Like you kind of graduate them and yeah, just yeah, c- cement that milestone for yourself. Yeah, Get the, the veteran treatment they can be, they can they can have their rest now. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, uh, that's going to do it for us today. It's been a long one again. Uh, thanks for sticking to, with us through this one. Uh, I'm sure. Hopefully you had as much fun as we did recapping all of this. We had all this excitement, all this energy from just coming back from the tournament. Uh, if you'd like to let us know about that or any other thoughts on anything that we covered today, are you going to reach us at what WTHcast on Twitter or whatthehexcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like, you can head on over to the mortalrealms.com. We can check out our blog and all the other shows in the Mortal Realms uh, podcast group, which is uh, covering... Warcry and the stories of the mortal realms. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, coming up next, uh, we will likely be doing something with the Sleeks Bowl Bowl slash Trash Fire Tournament, although we do have Weird Hollow to talk about, so maybe we'll slot something in there. But uh, to be determined, keep keep your eyes peeled here. Um, boys, are you ready for a flavor text quiz? Hit me. Absolutely. All right. So I've got one pulled out here uh, because because there's not a specific warband to focus on for today. I, I will let you know that it is from one of the most recent releases. So that it narrows this pool mm. a little bit. And it I is was somewhat confident it was going to be from Starblood Stalkers. <laughs> I thought about <laughs> it, but that's that's potentially it's pretty deep cut. Um, <laughs> it's going back a ways. So uh, and I felt like the name of this card was fitting for what happened at Adepticon. So it is, it's not over until we say so. This this does have a uh, attributed fighter, but I will save that in, unless you need another clue. I want to say Arena. Yeah, so we're in Arena territory. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, all right. Uh, it, can't be, it can't be attributed to tracks, yeah. Because... I remember most of her attributions, I think. Hopefully, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> hmm. Brian, you almost played these. I almost played them, but I haven't studied them since I, I realized they were coming out too close to Adepticon. I wasn't going to be able to get them painted in time. But then Slim Jim showed me up on that, and he showed he up sure with did. them. He did a very <sighs> good job painting them, too. He did. I, I'm, I'm cooked. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. 
this one was from Thriala the Lash, and this is Bloody Show. Oh, mm. all right. A very bloody, bloody show. show, indeed. Very nice. All right. Very nice. And uh, for your recommended listening today, we will have, um, but I believe it is The Summit by Avi Kaplan. Going back to Avi, this one felt appropriate for the tournament, The Summit, um, from his initial album. It's pretty fun. Uh, little piece about climbing the summit, uh, as we just did at Adepticon. But for what the hex, I've been Phil. I've been Brian. And I've been Skyler. I got a mute discord <clears throat> yes please magic magic <laughs>